The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to the tenth episode of the Emerald Flow Show Podcast. We're part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I'm Gerard Detrolio here with Paul Vosch, and you can follow us on Twitter at, at Emerald Flow Show, and we're on all major podcasting apps. So if you use Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and leave us some nice comments. And you go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate to donate to the show if you feel so inclined to do. Paul, we've made it ten episodes. So I think that puts us in like what the ninety eighth percentile of all podcasts. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, next milestone is a hundred, so that's only going to be like quite a few years away, actually, given that we're recording every other week. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, definitely uh, a big success, and obviously, time for us to celebrate ourselves and pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, and so we'll kick off the tenth uh, episode spectacular with the question on everybody's mind, MJF, work or shoot? Uh, who gives a <laughs> shit? <laughs> right. No, we're going to start off with some All Japan Pro Wrestling because they've had a number of shows and a lot of things have happened, I have to say, like really unexpectedly too, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, no, definitely. It's, I mean, All Japan for like quite a while, it was just kind of a promotion that was just like, yeah, they booked an angle every once in a while, but otherwise it was mainly just focused on just having matches. And then really just in the span of two shows, they were just 
an absurd amount of kind of turns and angles and things happening. So really seems like they're kind of dialing things up kind of for, for the summer and for the older award show. And I think especially like really starting to kind of build stuff for uh, the anniversary show at Budokan. Yeah, definitely. I think that has a lot to do with it. I, I don't, we'll get to it in a minute with the review, but I don't, I can't recall a show with as many angles as that Cork and Hall show. Yeah, I'm also trying to think, like, when was, like, the last time where this much happened on, like, one show as well? Because it really, like, it almost felt like there was actually, like, a story kind of building throughout the entire show as well. And in a weird way, like, the Triple Crown, like, it seems like there's an overall story in the promotion. And in a weird way, like, the Triple Crown feels like the only part that is kind of disconnected from it right now. Yeah, that's that's true. Although, you know, Kento Miyahara is a former member of the Voodoo Murders. Oh, I mean, I actually have a thought on not quite that, but in terms of Kento and Voodoo Murderers, so I don't know if we want to yeah, get into that we'll, now we'll or if we want to get into that later. We want to we'll, get into that we'll later. We'll get to that later, I think. Yeah. And so we'll start off uh, with the Superpower Series uh, at uh, Yokohama um, at the Hodogaya Public Hall on May 25th. Um, I don't think we really have to run through the whole show because... You know, you just had your, like, basic undercard stuff. Although, I, there was a good Yuma Aoyagi versus Ryuki Honda match on the undercard. Um, and there was a build-up to a show, uh, the tag title match on the 29th at Corican Hall, when uh, Doi and uh, Arashi defeated uh, Shuji Ishikawa and Renai Abi. And, uh, Paul, in the show notes, you have Kuma Doi's terrible shirt. Yes. Now, I take offense to that because I thought <laughs> the shirt was kind of cool. Really, because I yeah. think it's it's legitimately one of the best worst wrestling shirts I've ever seen. Because it's literally just a white T-shirt with just a really kind of it's the cheapest looking shirt as well. Like it literally looks like they drew it themselves. Like they just took some marker, drew like a painting of themselves onto it, and then just like wrote below it. And I don't know. I I think it looks really bad. I think it looks really low rent. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of goofy. I mean, they've been like. I think Kumarashi like retweets these fan pictures of them that look rather bizarre, and I think they decided to turn that into a shirt concept. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I I don't know. I think you can still find a way to make it look better than this. I, don't know. I think it just kind of looked terrible. But I think actually uh, for this match as well, that I actually forgot to write down in the notes, what I wanted to talk about was uh, the fact that actually it wasn't Renayaba that took the pin here; it was Ishikawa that took the pin here. I think that was notable as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Ishikawa is somewhat giving of a wrestler, even though he's booked himself to be the tag team champion. <laughs> and then he was Garora TV champion before that. That's right. So he pretty yeah. much always has a belt. <laughs> um, and so the next sort of big thing on the show was Jake Lee defeated Suwama by in disqualification in like four minutes and 42 seconds. Suwama came out in his Voodoo Murders gear with the red hair. He uh, attacked Jake with a chair. He uh, he hit uh, referee Daisuke Kamabayashi with the chair, sort of uh, to cause the DQ. And then um, uh, Yume Oyagi, of all people, came out to make the save. And then uh, Dan Tamara and Hikaru Sadu came out. Dan Tamara was playing the role of Hiromu Takahashi when Evil turned on Lij, like screaming and sobbing about Suwama's dastardly turn. And then Ashino came out, and they sort of agreed that they would take on Voodoo Murders at Cork and Hall. Yeah, 
I mean, it says formats at 42, but it wasn't really a match. It's not like they wrestled before the DQ. It was pretty much just Suwama came out and just immediately just started beating Jake down with a chair and just cheating nonstop. Like, it was really just an extended beatdown until he finally hit the ref and got DQ'd. Um, yeah, I thought it was a fairly effective way to turn Suwama as well and to just establish properly that, like, no, Suwama is, like, a heel now. He's evil. He's just back to his old voodoo murderous days completely. Um, I thought afterwards as well, it was kind of nice. It, uh, I didn't expect Yuma Aoyagi to come out. I, that did make a bit more sense, though. Kind of, we're going to talk about that on the next show. I did also like that uh, you had uh, Tsutaro Ashino come out to t- uh, to announce that he's going to team with Evolution as well. I thought that made a lot of sense, given that he's Suwama's former tag team partner. So I thought, like, overall, it was like, it was not a match. It was not a great match, obviously, because it was just intended. It was intended to get heat, so it was a lot of heat uh, throughout the entire match. But I thought it was a really effective way of turning Suwama heel. Yeah, and I really like. I thought Dan played like the uh, role of uh, uh, jilted uh, stablemate really well, actually. Yeah, I'm actually curious if this is going to be like a long-term thing as well. Uh, if that maybe is going to lead to. Dan actually turning heel and joining Voodoo Murderers at some point down the line, or because obviously, like I mean, we're going to talk about as well what happens with Evolution. But again, I think I'm really curious if this is kind of a setup to get Dan to kind of the next stage of his career as well, and maybe the next stage of his career is actually a heel run. You know, I I didn't think of it that way, but I feel like that would be a bit of a I don't know. I feel like Dan is such like a weird little like sympathetic character. That it would just sort of, I don't know, I don't i don't think he should turn, to be honest. That's just my feeling on it. Yeah, I'm just always curious how people would, like, especially early on in their career, like, I think it's always worth to try them out as a heel, because sometimes someone that seems like they would not be good at playing a hero role actually then turns out to be amazing at it. So I would be at the very least curious to see what Dan would look like as a heel. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's it's worth a try, maybe. I don't, it just doesn't feel right for the story, but we'll see, I guess. We don't know where this is going, Yeah. Uh, really. There's still a lot of questions, I think, that are going to get resolved at Oda Ward. So in the main event of that show, Strong Hearts, uh, Shigeru Irie, T-Hawk, and Issei Onitsuka defeated Next Stream, Kento Miyahara, Atsuki Aoyagi, and Rising Hayato in 22 minutes and 8 seconds. I thought this was really good. Another great, like, multi-man tag from Strong Hearts in the uh, promotion and like T-Hawk got the win over uh, Atsuki just to set up for the Triple Crown match. I actually really loved this match as well. I thought this was yet another amazing Strongheart six-man tag match. Um, I was actually, like really the two people that impressed me the most in the match were actually Onitsuka and uh, Hayato. I thought actually kind of when they were facing off against each other, that was the highlight for the match, when they just started slapping each other in the middle of the ring. I thought that, to me, was the best part of the match as well. Uh, same as when, like, Hayato was kind of, like, in a submission hold, and he just was just really, like, showing so much kind of baby face resilience and just refusing to tap out and just barely, like, managing to get to the ropes and everything. Like, I thought... This was a really amazing match. And to me, actually, like, I went, like, four and a quarter on this one. Like, I really love this match. Yeah, I mean, it was really great. I mean, you pointed out Onitsuka. He's really come into his own 
Uh, and he's become a great, like, little prick. I think, obviously, Shima taught him well in that department. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's really great at that. Uh, yeah, as I said, like, he's kind of like this little prick because it, it's kind of like everyone knows that he's, like, not as good or that like, he's, like, not as well-established or, like, a little bit smaller as well than the other two in Honest Team. So he kind of, like, hides behind that as well, where he's, like, he's, like, acting all high, I guess. He's acting like a big deal, basically, when everyone obviously knows he's not yet. Uh, and then he kind of hides behind the fact that he teams with Eerie and Tearhawk to just, like, knows there's certain things that he can get away with because he, like, teams with, like, such powerful partners. Like, I think it's a really, really cool role for him. Yeah, no, I think he's, like, gonna really be a big thing. Like, they've already given him some big wins in... uh in great as well, I think. Yeah, he's yeah, he got he got T pinned uh, Kasayashi on their first yeah. show. Yeah, so there's definitely plans for him and everything like that. So from there we go to uh, the Cork and Hall show, part of the Superpower series 2022 on May 29th. At, uh, attendance was 905, which was down from the 986 at um, the Champion Carnival Finals. I guess it's okay, although I guess you could say it's also a slight disappointment, but I wouldn't call it bad uh, that's my feeling on it yeah um, that's kind of where i'm falling at as well it was a little disappointing to see the number go down uh, especially because it is a triple crown defense as well so i was holding out hope that maybe they would like actually build off the momentum from the champion carnival and get closer to like a thousand but it is just extremely hard to draw on corrigan at the moment as well because again, still every other promotion is like. Because I would probably be more worried about the number if other promotions were drawing well in Corican, but no one is at the moment. Like it doesn't really seem like it's recovering, except for those um, special shows. I mean, but also, I mean, we're going to talk about one a little bit later. But like, how much, how reliable can we actually call those numbers as well? Given well, that everything the- else is struggling so much to draw. The pictures looked packed. Okay, I mean, in that and, case, fair enough. And that, so. and that New Japan, All Japan show was legitimately packed. I, you know, I watched it. Yeah. So okay, so, so those are drawing well, but kind of the regular promotion shows still I mean, aren't DDT drawing. just did like 490. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which so, is not good. No. So actually, like, All Japan kind of holding steady is actually a good situation. But yeah. again, like, I hope... I mean, I think it's bad for the Japanese wrestling. Like, it's good for all Japan that they're still drawing well comparatively yeah. to other promotions. But I think it's bad for the Japanese wrestling scene overall that Korokan attendance doesn't seem to be recovering. Uh, the I think the best of the Super Junior shows, weren't they like around 1,100, some of them? Yeah, the, I think, yeah, the last Korokan show drew like 1,100-something there, yeah. That's not bad, I suppose. And... um. Although, I guess I was going to say Dragon Gate did, like, a pretty good number, but that was, like, the Kness retirement show, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was like so that's more of a special case. show again, yeah. Yeah. So we'll go to the sort of dark match that happened uh, 20 minutes before the show actually started. Seiko Tachibana defeated Ryo Inoue in 5 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, I like this match. I like both of these guys. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Inoue's, like, potential and how he's a great rookie, and I am a absolute Tachibana defender. I think he's a really good technical wrestler that people sort of overlook because of the comedy Yakuza gimmick thing that he does. But uh, I think we're getting a serious Tachibana um, emerging after the show. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about him a little bit later as well, but uh, that was really the thing that stood out to me, how he was just in complete serious wrestler mode in this match. Like, there was really no comedy. Like, he just went in there and just kind of put on a clinic on the uh, on the rookie here on Inoue. Uh, and I did not expect it, and obviously that should have tipped me off that maybe something was going to happen later with him. Um, but I was just really impressed uh, by him because, yeah, as I said, like it is just easy to forget how good of an actual wrestler Tachibana is because of all the comedy stuff that he's doing. Yeah, and so the first official match of the show was uh, Carball Ito and Yoshitatsu defeated uh, Sushi and Takao Mori in 5 minutes and 39 seconds. Um, it was quick and it was completely inoffensive. I thought it was a perfectly fine match. Didn't know how this was going to turn out, but they kind of all sort of worked as hard as you would expect for them to in this match. And Ito did his crazy dive to the outside. So what more can you ask for? Yeah, no, that's really all you want uh, in a Carbal Ito match. It's actually one thing I wondered about with Carbal Ito as well. Like, because he's obviously way better than he has any right to be, would you ever give him on maybe like a minor show, would you ever give him a junior title match? Not that he wins, but like just to give him one. Well, would he be willing to do the job? <laughs> that, that's, to be fair, yeah, that is probably the problem there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I think he would, he would actually be like, he would, he would actually be able with the right opponent to put on like a pretty decent... I, th- I think he could match. have a good match with Sato. Yeah, like I think Sato would actually be the perfect guy for that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if he was willing to do the job, I'd do it actually. Which again is weird because again he's fifty plus. He's not. He's not really. Tra- he only started training wrestling recently. Like it actually is kind of crazy to think about if he had actually like when he was like twenty or something instead of like starting Carbell, if he had actually decided to become a wrestler. Like I'm actually curious how good he actually could have been. I'm pretty sure he's always been an athlete. Uh, I like looked at his like website. I think he like plays volleyball and stuff or something like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, he's very, like, even at 50, like, he's still very He's athletic. in great shape, yeah. yeah. He's, he's kind of jacked for a 50-year-old, <laughs> um, you know. So, after that, Voodoo Murders, Minoru and Toshizo defeated Black Menso Ray and Izanagi in 8 minutes and 53 seconds. Um, there was a lot of brawling that you kind of expected and stuff to start, although I thought this was kind of fun towards the end with some stuff from Minoru. I guess I should clarify... Minoru is Minoru Tanaka, but he just goes by Minoru when he's a heel in Voodoo Murders. And Toshizo is um, Ryuji Hijikata. Um, some of the stuff between Minoru and uh, Izanagi towards the end was pretty good, so I thought it was fine, although I didn't love the brawling and stuff and heel stuff at the beginning. Um, like I was saying like on Twitter, like, okay, I know a lot of people don't like Voodoo Murders Return, but if it means more Minoru Tanaka in all Japan, uh, I, I can accept that. Yeah, that's why I might as well. Uh, it's it, it, Really, I will take any excuse to get more Minoru Tanaka. Uh, and I really hope that we will actually get... Like, I would assume that they're going to get like a... I mean, I mean, especially this team, they're going to get a... Um, a uh, the, Jesus, why am I forgetting the name of the title now? Uh, the secondary tag title. All Asia? The, the All Asia tag title, yes. Uh, the all Asia tag title, like I would assume that they're gonna get a shot at those belts eventually. But what I'm actually really hoping for is for Minoru to get a shot at the junior title. Because again, it's Minoru Tanaka, so even if he's a heel, that's gonna be a good match. Oh, for sure. And I think it would be a little different in a singles match. With yeah, at least I would hope so. I mean, we yeah. we haven't really seen yet, beside the Suwama singles match, what 
voodoo murderer singles matches are going to be like. Yeah. Uh, so from there, we had a six-man tag. Uh, next stream team at Atsuki Aoyagi, Rising Hayato, and Yuma Aoyaki defeated Hokuto Omori, Ryuki Honda, and Yusuke Kodama in nine minutes and five seconds with uh, Hayato once again pinning Hokuto with the Shimanani driver. And they've got a match against each other, building up to their always a tag match title match on the 12th on June 6th, which I'm actually really looking forward to that match. I thought this was another, it wasn't as good as that match in Sapporo that like went on almost 20 minutes, but this was another really good uh, tag match featuring all the young guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like this match as well. And regarding actually the all Asia tag title match, do you think Next Stream is going to win that one? Because I kind of have a feeling that they might. If Total Eclipse is falling apart, then it would make sense for them to lose the tag titles. Yeah. The All-Asia tag. Yeah, and I think it's actually like the perfect time as well to kind of put these spells on Hayato and Aoyagi as well. Yeah. I think they've kind of earned it as well, given like the development they've gone through like in the last couple of years, and especially for Hayato in the last six months. Like I think with all of the hard work that he's put in, he's kind of like earned himself to like get a first title one. Absolutely. I think so, and uh, so I guess we'll see. But I, yeah, if it just feels right, they're ready, and um, you know, and I mean, Omori and uh, Kodama had a pretty good run with those titles too, really. Yeah, no, it was a fairly length. Like no one really gets like long reigns with that title, except for Zeus and Izanagi. <laughs> except for Zeus and Izanagi, yes. <laughs> but I think that was also a case of it was like the middle of the pandemic. And yeah, they were just you know. And it was also just a thing to keep Zeus busy because he didn't really have anything for him. So it's just like, yeah, you just hold the All-Asia title with Izanagi. Yeah. Um, and so the next match was Tajiri defeated... Uh, or sorry, Jake Lee defeated Tajiri in 7 minutes... And that would have been a shocker. <laughs> yeah. In 7 minutes and 36 seconds um, with the armbar, I think, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. And um, so, th- I don't know. Like, the way this match was built up originally was like, oh, Jake Lee's getting in shape to challenge for the Triple Crown. Tajiri agreed to it. But then Tajiri got on Twitter after the match and said he's leaving Total Eclipse. And then after this match, um, uh, Yuma came out and said, will you team with me, Jake? And Jake was basically like, well, I owe you one for saving me from Suwama, but I don't want to be your friend, but I will team with you. Um, so that's what's going on. And as for the match itself, you know, I actually thought it was kind of good. They did a lot of mat work. So I would say it was technically good, but it just seemed really weird that they gave Tajiri as much as he got in this match, like on the mat against Jake. I think Jake should have just been a lot more dominant in this. Yeah, I actually had a feeling that Tajiri actually got more in this match uh, than uh, Omori, uh, Takao Omori did in his singles match with Jake Lee. Oh, absolutely. Here his decision, yeah. <laughs> Because Jake pretty much just squashed Omori and then he kind of went 50-50 for a while with Tajiri on the mat. Like, I'm, that is very weird, yeah. Um, I think, but I still liked the match overall. I mean, it was good for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I also did not expect like this many angles to come out of like a Jake Lee-Tajiri singles match. Because it was just a ton of stuff happening after the match. Because as you said, like Tajiri leaving Total Eclipse. Uh, and then Yuma wanting to team up with Jake as well. And it will be interesting to see if that leads to anything for this world, or if this is just like a one-off. But again, he saved him on the previous night, and now they're going to team up. Like, is this going to lead to like them making up their new faction? 
Like, is this going to be like you kind of kind of a rec like I don't know. Like, is this going to lead to like a new like? Is this going to lead to like a Drake Lee like face turn because obviously Savama's like the new top heel now, and then is he going to make a new faction with Yuma or is Yuma still a next stream? Is that going to lead to like Drake rejoining next stream, which would be very weird as well. There's so much potential things going on here. It's actually kind of confusing because there's so many potential angles this could go from here. Like it's confusing, but it's fascinating at the same time. Well, also. Uh, Yuma continues uh, calling out the basement champion on yeah. Twitter, and I believe he actually mentioned him in his promo on this show. Yeah, uh, because, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the other thing as well. Like, is Nayora Nomura going to come back now? Because, yeah, Yuma has been calling him out so much because could this be like Jake Lee and Yuma teaming up against uh, Nomura and whoever is Mizuki Watase? Yeah, so that could be a potential match coming up as well. And so if, I if thought Nomura, this was hmm? just. Oh, sorry. I was going to say. I just originally I thought this was just Yuma just having some fun on Twitter, calling out Nomura. But once he starts cutting promos about it in in an All Japan Ring, I have to assume it's happening, right? Yeah, and I mean it's also getting picked up by the the press properly now. Yeah. yeah. So I I kind of feel like there is something in place. Like this doesn't just feel like Yuma shooting his own angle anymore. This definitely feels like Neora might have already agreed to come back. So. Maybe they're planning something for him at. Maybe they're going to have him at the uh, anniversary show as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's possible. That that's a potential thing as well. So, and I, I just really hope that this actually just like I don't know that they maybe smoothed over whatever concerns Nomura had before, and this this is just like, yeah, he left, but now he's back. Maybe he's back as like a freelancer at first, uh, and then yeah. maybe like once they both have kind of like. Once both sides have kind of worked out the issues with each other, like he can just come back full time. Like I think that's just the best solution for everyone in this case because it doesn't seem like either no one else is interested in him, or he's not really interested in working for anyone else full time. So just him going back to all Japan just would be the best thing for him at that point. Well, I mean, it's just so puzzling that he can get his foot into Genbari. But Akiyama won't touch him, it seems. Yeah. Because he because, is an Akiyama guy, so... Yeah. That is just bizarre, right? Like, something's... Like, there's something missing to the story that we don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe this was just always a thing where it's like, hey, your contract is running out, and he's just like, yeah, let me just see what else is out there. And now he's like, ah, oh, actually, let me just come back now. Or maybe he's like an Ibushi-level strange guy. <laughs> I mean... That might also be a thing, because again, there's so much going on behind the scenes that we don't know. That it's just, yeah, I like it, it is just an extremely weird story. But again, if Nomura's coming back, I mean, then we have like Jake, Yuma, Nomura back, and then are they going to reform like the original next stream? <laughs> I wouldn't be against that. Although I think it's not going to involve Kento. Yeah, I mean, that's also the thing as well, where. It definitely feels like because that would be just an absurdly stacked faction at this point because it was different when when Kento was just like the only like big guy in there and the other three were yeah, like still it, guys on the rise. If they're all main eventers, you can't yeah. have a faction with four main eventers. Yeah. That doesn't work. The main event mafia. Yeah, <laughs> still, yeah, literally. <laughs> that actually would be kind of cool because I don't think we've ever really gotten that in Japanese wrestling. But I also think it would be a disaster because like who's gonna wrestle in, who's gonna wrestle for the triple crown? Like just the fact, like, just next stream against each other with like occasional voodoo murderers interference. I don't know, that yeah. would be weird. 
but yes. definitely so, like there's, there's just so much going on right now and so much like uncertainty but in a good way yeah well i mean said this in my review in on uh, voices of, of wrestling.com all like some of the stuff they set up on the show could easily go badly <laughs> yes right and it's too early to say that it is or not but some of it it absolutely could i'm cautiously optimistic given how how well things have been this year but you know i mean it's entirely possible that a year from now rumors is still around right yeah. whereas i think this should really only be a short six months max and that might even be pushing it thing because yuma like, teaming up with jake could also just lead to one of them turning and joining who the murderers like if jake joins who the murderers then it's like ah, eh, okay but like the worst case scenario here is yuma turns on jake and joins who the murderers because i think oh that God, would be absolutely yeah. terrible I mean, ideally, Voodoo Murders is gone after Budokan. I think that's like as long as it really should last. Yeah, but I don't know because of some of the things happening with Evolution as well. I don't really see Suvama turning back anytime soon. Okay, and so, so this is something I wanted to bring up because I, I was listening to the Eastern Lariat earlier and they sort of speculated about this. Do you think this is just something that Suwama decided to do because he was bored? I mean, it might be, well, what I think is that this is going to lead to, like, an eventual phase-out of Evolution, because Evolution is the name of his new Joshi promotion. So, right. because he immediately turned and joined Voodoo Murderers, literally, like, the next show after they announced Evolution. Like, that's the tipper for me as well. Where, like, they announce Evolution, and then, like, two days later, Suwama turns heel and joins Voodoo Murderers, like, and leaves Evolution. Because I think they just, their goal is to, like, phase out Evolution over time. And just and that's why I think that Suvama isn't going to turn back anytime soon as well. Yeah, but then so that means we're got stuck with the Voodoo Murders for the long haul. I mean, maybe or maybe that just half Voodoo Murders and he has like the the catalyst for him to turn, and then they're kind of slowly going to just morph it into a different faction and just kick all the scummers back out again and just essentially remake Voodoo Murders or like call it something else, but with all japan guys basically okay yeah i mean that would be that would be a better option than just continuing it as is yeah because i don't think this like i think it it's oh it's hard to say obviously with no cheering but i think it's over with people right now it's kind of this nostalgia act but i think long term you obviously can't just keep like all of these can all of these freelancers in that as your main heel faction like i don't think that really works so you have to turn some of your own people as well and have them join this faction and you can like eventually like rebrand it to like something that you really want as well. So I think that might be the long-term play here as well. But I mean, if we're already talking about Voodoo Murders and, some, and all of that stuff as well, it's actually something that I thought about for Budokan is... So what if Yuma and Jake team against Nomura at Budokan that would leave open the triple crown match. Like I would still think it's Yuma that is, gets the triple crown shot at Budokan, but we've never gotten heel Suvama versus Kento. So what if that's the thing? What if that's the triple crown match at Budokan? Uh, I don't know. And, and I know it's not exciting. Like I'm kind of yeah, dreading that prospect as well. But that's like the other feeling I had when Suvama turned and joined Voodoo Murderers that they're going to make that the match at Budokan. Uh, that yeah, I don't like that at all. That's even worse than having Jake in in the main event at Budokan. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
because that also like this version of Suvama, like if if it's just like all kinds of heat throughout the match would be just about one of the worst kind of matches they could put on for the Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, hopefully, we'll get an idea soon. And then, so I guess on the topic of Voodoo Murders, the next match was Voodoo Murders, Suwama, Taru, and Kono defeating uh, Shitaru Shino, uh, Hikaru Sato, and Dan Tamara in 12 minutes and 46 seconds. When uh, surprisingly, Suwama pinned um, Sato, which I didn't really expect coming. Um, but uh, I'll say this this match wasn't as bad as I thought it could have been, I guess. Yeah, no, I actually was positively surprised as well. I mean, there was a lot of kind of heel cheating and everything, but I didn't really mind it in this match because it also felt very vicious as well. Like, it just felt like a really vicious beatdown, especially when they put that dark collar on Dan and just choked him with that. Could it be leading to a dark collar match? (laughs) I mean, actually, I'm not against that if it involves blood. I think it can be really... Dan versus Suvama in a dark collar match actually could be kind of cool. Not gonna lie. Yeah, he would just brutalize Dan. Yeah, and Dan would just bleed all over the place. I think Dan actually could be low-key a really good bleeder because he's like relatively pale skin. So like the blood just the blonde would hair. look... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he actually would be really good kind of guy for that. Huh. Yeah, I actually hadn't yeah. thought of... never have thought, I've never thought of that before, but I think now I kind of want to see it. Like, I have my doubts they're going to do it, but now I kind of want to see that. <laughs> no, the, I think they're willing to do gimmick matches now, so... With Udo Murderers? Yeah. For sure. I mean, maybe that's the Savama Singles match at Budokan. It's him versus Stan in a dark color match. That would be the ideal <laughs> case. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. And so after the match, um, Ashino basically swore off uh, the remaining members of Evolution and thought they were losers, basically. Yeah, it's also a weird thing. It's like, Suvama turns on Ashino, and then Ashino teams with Evolution here, and then it's just like, ah, actually, I'm done with this now. Like, I have a feeling we're never going to get that Suvama ashino singles match now. Well, see, like I said, like, okay, well, I can live with all this food and murder stuff if this is building up to Suvama versus Ashino, but now Ashino seems to have removed himself from the equation here. Yeah, like, Which completely. is weird, because he was his tag partner. Like, so much so, he's, right? like, in a completely different storyline now. Yeah. So, like, the guy I turns on you, then you team... With his former stable mates once, and then you're just like, ah, I still couldn't beat him. Ah, fuck this, I'm out. Like, it's, it's such a weird thing. Like, that was the most, like, out of all of the booking decisions, this was the most baffling one. Oh, for sure. Like, it just. Yeah, and like I said, like, some of this stuff could end up not going very well because I don't know where it's going. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess this was really just, they wanted to break up Runaway Suplex. They didn't really have a good idea how to do it. So they just did. Because they wanted to turn Savama heel, I guess. And then they were just like, ah, we don't really know how to do it, so we're just going to have Suvama turn on Ashino. And then, because we need to do something, because we can't just have Ashino move on to something else immediately. They need to have at least like one match where they team against each other. So that they, did, that they did that one here, but it also seems like they don't really have any interest in doing like a long-term Suvama-Ashino feud either. Yeah, which is... I thought the point of all of this, but so I don't know. That's the, like the big sort of like red light or problem, red flag, I should say, uh, for me on in, in all of this, right? Like you just basically remove like the biggest match you can do coming out of this, Ashino versus Suwama. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're going to go back to that. But again, like why go back to it eventually? Why not do it at Ottawa to build for it to happen at 
Budokan and I guess it could yeah. still happen at Budokan. I mean, it could, but again, I mean, we're going to talk about it later. But Ashino is like in a completely different faction now. Like he just yeah. immediately goes, makes a new faction, and is an ta- is an attack title program that doesn't really seem like someone that is like out to get revenge against Suvama. Yeah, no, I, I know. Like it's just, uh, it's it's a little frustrating because, like, I feel like this is the first big misstep they had this year. Yeah, but I mean, again, it is really it solid. is the I mean, I've kind of in a way given up ever complaining about the booking of Ashino. Cause it just <laughs> seems like such a Don Quixote like task, basically. Yeah, because it's just it's just never gonna happen. Yeah, and, I mean at this point yeah. I'm like, if it ever happens, I'm gonna be happily surprised. But otherwise, I will just always assume it's not gonna happen because it's just like, like for my own mental health, that's just best thing <laughs> to do. Yeah, well, because we'll I guess we'll talk more about Ashino because next was the All Japan World Tag Team Title Match: uh, Kohei Sato and Shuji Ishikawa, the Twin Towers, defeated uh, Kumadoi. Coach Doi and Kumo Rashi in fourteen forty three to make their first successful defense of the titles. They just won two weeks before, and uh, I really like this match. Uh, they just went out there and got right down to business and started throwing bombs. There was a bunch of crazy double team spots where these guys took some pretty big bumps. Um, there was a falcon arrow off the top rope from Sato. I think it was Doi that took that. Like it was just a lot of fun, and like you know. Uh, Ishikawa pinned Arashi after a giant slam, you know, him doing the giant slam to another big guy. It was really cool. So, yeah, I mean, this really ex- actually exceeded my expectations, I thought. Yeah, this is kind of low-key one of the things that All Japan is best at. And it's always been a speciality of the company, even though people rarely talk about it. It's just big guys, like four big guys facing off against each other in a tag match, and just throwing bombs at each other. Like, it's like if you really look at throughout like the entire history of the company, it's always been kind of a staple of the company, and it still is to this day. And this was just yet another example of that. And yeah, this also vastly exceeded my expectations as well. Talked about it on the last show where I'm like, not sure if Kumado is the right team to face off against the Twin Towers, but no, it turns out exact they are exactly the right team to face off against them. I think the I think it actually helped Twin Towers as well that it was like overall like a little bit of a slower pace because it was just kind of about them just throwing kind of big moves at each other. So I think that actually really helped Twin Towers. It helped as well that like Doi and Arashi are really good bumpers. I think that's something they're not appreciated for as well, that they're really good at bumping given their size. So they were really able to like sell Twin Towers stuff really well. And yeah, their own power stuff is just very impressive as well. I think the most impressive spot for me was uh, when uh, Arashi had Shuji Ishikawa in a torture rack, which A, that is already really impressive. And then Doi suplexed him uh, during that as well, yeah. which is just like, that's sure. insane strength. Like for Arashi as well, like A, he has Ishikawa up in a torture rack, and then he also needs to jump on top of that to do the suplex as well. Like, just think about that. Like, how crazy athletic you have to be to pull that off. And they did it perfectly. Like, that was really, like, that was the highlight of the match of me and where I was, like, legitimately impressed. Um, Yeah, obviously, I think it was the right decision to keep it on Twin Towers as well. I think Doi and Arashi, I don't think they're ever going to be, like, the top team in the division. 
but I really hope that like eventually they will at least get like a at least a short run with the tag titles because I think they've kind of like they should get one like just to like recognize how good they actually have been like for a while now as well. Yeah, I mean they sort of hold the division together in some ways because well, like I've said this before, it's not very deep division. No. Which is a problem because they these titles are expected to main event um, shows. Yeah. Right. I mean, but that's so the that thing is... as well. Where it's like, I mean, Doi and Arashi keeping the division together, but I also that's why I also get that they don't want to put the titles on them because I don't think Doi and Arashi really would be good draws as well. So that's why I get yeah. that they don't put the titles on them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is a problem. I mean, hopefully. That is something that all Japan is actually going to work on over the next couple of months. And I mean, we have kind of the teasers of some tag teams forming that might be able to fill up the that division as well. And hopefully yeah. they actually follow through on that now. Well, uh, as you were saying, new teams to fill up the division. After the match, Shino came out to challenge. And he was accompanied by Ryuki Honda and Seigo Tachibana. And they have now formed a new faction and Ashino and Honda will be challenging for the titles at Oda Ward on June 19th. And I think Ashino was asked in an interview, are you reforming Enfance Terrible? He said he wasn't sure yet. So I don't know if that's going to be the name of the stable or, or what. Um, I mean, I think it's a good stable, actually. I mean, I I'm, I like it. Um, but I just talking about things that don't make sense, uh, Honda tried to... Uh, stab Shino a couple months ago <laughs> yeah. and now they are tag team like they had a blood feud like they had pretty much a blood feud like earlier in the year yeah. like they had a literal last man standing match and now they're just like buddies it's very weird yes yeah but I mean they're I think they'll be a good team yeah I think my gut tells me that the Twin Towers will retain I'm but not sure to be honest I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think pulling the trigger isn't going to hurt and giving them titles to Ashino and Honda, to be honest with you. Because again, I mean, to be fair, but Ashino and Honda winning, obviously that definitely puts like the completely like the kibosh on like anything happening between Suwama and Ashino, unless Suwama challenges for the tag titles. Right. So, yeah, I'm kind of of two minds. Like I would really like for them to just pull the trigger and put a title on Honda, because I think that's the best next step for him to take to just have like a lengthy tag title reign because we were talking about it as well for like quite a bit on our show but we were thinking that they might form like a team of like jake lee and honda and maybe have them have a tag title reign obviously like we're getting ashino and honda instead now but i'm still kind of maintaining that like a lengthy kind of big level tag title or like being kind of in a big time tag team is really like the next best step for Honda to take because he has shown like a lot of progression but he's still obviously like fairly young so just being in a tag team would also help him just develop and just hide like the flaws that he still has as well yeah I mean if they were like tag team champions and if Jake and Yuma form a tag team like I mean, those could be like some pretty incredible matches too yeah or Doi and Arashi versus Ashino and Honda I think could be really good yeah, too yeah that would be great yeah they all know each other well yeah right the wrestle one connection yeah. so yeah so there, i think you could get a lot of fresh matchups i just don't i just i don't know it just feels like the way they book and it's you know i mean it's the booker man too who's the tag team champion <laughs> so i don't know i mean my i'm i'm like 60 percent sure that twin towers retain i mean 
that's probably where my money would be as well. I think it would just be the right decision to make for Honda. Like I'm more looking at it rather than Ashino. I'm more looking at it for like Honda's development. I think that would be like the yeah. next step to take for him. But then again, I mean, if you just have him regularly team with Ashino and then maybe like long-term build it up where like maybe they win the real world tag league at the end of the year, that obviously would be something as well. Yeah, for sure. But it's just like the one thing that I was curious about, like, because obviously like I love this faction. I think this faction has, is really great. Like it just, instantly becomes probably my favorite faction in the promotion uh, but the one thing is just like the booking and how this all came together where like again we talked about it before where Shino was just seemed to abandon his feud with Savama just because he lost one tag match but also like is Ashino a heel now? I don't know well see the thing is also if he's a heel he's not a very threatening heel because Ishikawa made him look like a bit of a geek because if you heard all that laughing yes. that was going on yes. Right, you know that what that was from some translations I saw. It was basically Ishikawa like teasing Ashino that his like partner turned on him. Yeah, like that because that's the one thing I didn't like about this as well. Where like there was just way too much laughter in the crowd, which yeah tipped me off as well. That like there was definitely something that Ishikawa was saying that was triggering that. So, yeah. but again, that that's what I mean. Where it might make more sense to actually have. Ashino and Honda win because like otherwise they're just gonna look yep. like geeks. Yeah. But maybe that's what they're going to be as well. Like I hope not. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's there's definitely potential for this to go sideways, but like for now I'm holding out hope that it's not. So it it is just like very weird where it's like because we were speculating earlier some earlier shows where like if Runaway Suplex breaks up, who's going to turn heel? Is it Suwama? Is it Ashino? And turns out all Japan goes, why not both? So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's why not both, but let's not have them in the same faction. So one of them still has to turn on the other, but then the other one also turns here like a show later. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. We'll see. Right? <clears throat> Some things are questionable, but it's still too early. To yeah, tell. yeah, no, like it's, it, yeah. There's definitely, there's definitely an option here. And history also doesn't make me very confident as well. No. But for now, I'm willing to give it a chance, but I'm definitely somewhat keeping it at arm's length as well. Yeah, I think that's a good way of approaching it. I will give them a little bit of leeway because they've had such a good year, but yeah, things could go badly fast. And so to our main event for the Triple Crown, Kento Miyahara defeated T-Hawk in 24 minutes and 9 seconds with the shutdown German suplex to make his fourth defense in this title reign of which is his fifth, I believe, with the Triple Crown. I mean, I mean, what this was great. I mean, what were you expecting? It was Kento versus T-Hawk. T-Hawk was really savage in the set points with lots of chops, some close fist punches to Kento, and some pretty nasty knees to the head as well. Uh, just a great pace, very little downtime. Um, my only critique of the match is that this was just like, oh, Kento calls out T-Hawk, and then two weeks later we have the match which I don't feel like was quite as well built as the last couple of ma big matches, whether it's the Triple Crown final or, or, or Kento versus Yuma. So I think it sort of hurt in the like emotional connection department, but I mean, it was just another great match and another notch in Kento's belt uh, for most outstanding wrestler of the year, I think. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I think with this, kind of Kento moved ahead uh, in the kind of most outstanding category again, but that's also more due to the fact that Kind of Go has just been doing like six man tag matches and 
that Okada hasn't done anything during the best of the Super Juniors. So uh, so that might change uh, again. As I said, like to me, this is kind of a head-to-head-to-head race where it literally changes depending on who has a big match uh, in a certain stretch of time. Uh, as you said, yeah, given that it didn't really have like a proper build, it definitely hurt kind of an emotional connection department. Uh, was still a really great match nonetheless. Uh, those kind of closed fist punches by T-Hawk were just nasty. Like, I'm not sure if this is like something that is done like super regular because I can't really remember him doing it all that much in other matches. So if this... I've s- seen him use them before, but this was like... Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, I think he's definitely done them before, but never this much. So if this is just kind of like a new addition to his repertoire that he's going to use regularly going forward, I think that's really going to be really cool. Because uh, they were just nasty. And like some of the headbirds as well, like, or... Yeah, no. Like, some of the headbutts that, like, Kento threw to, like, T-Hawk as well. Like, to his back as well to, like, soften him up. Like, those were nasty too. Like, it was just... They definitely, like, given that they didn't really have a proper build, they really made the most of the, out of this match. Yeah. But I will have to say, I might be in the reverse situation to... Or, actually, I might be in the situation that you were in last for, for like, the Yuma versus Kento match. Well, I think I actually preferred the six the the tag match that set up the match because I think I actually liked the six man tag, uh, strong hearts versus next stream. I think I liked that one a little bit more than I liked this match. Like I thought this was really still really really good. I thought this was a four star match, but I just liked the six man tag match a little bit more. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it was a great six man, and in some ways, like. Just like just the way that Strong Hearts operates is just so awesome to see, like you know, as just great heel. I guess yeah, you call them heels in that context. I think. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like they're leaning heelish because obviously Kento is the baby face, yeah. kind of. I mean, that's also yes, he is the baby face, but he also routinely abuses everyone else in his faction. But yes, that's <laughs> just and yeah. and and oh, uh, uh, Kohei Wada did not referee this match. Yeah. I think they might be finally phasing him out a little. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that it was T-Hawk in this match? Why with T-Hawk? Sorry, I don't see the connection. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're like, this match is going to move too Oh, for Vada? Yeah, that, that might have been... I mean, I mean, that's just the thing they should have realized in general. Like, like I don't think you need to like kick him out completely, but like maybe don't have him ref like your triple crown matches. Like, you can probably still do like mid-card matches. Like, that's still fine. So I think this might actually be the first Triple Crown match, other than the time that Joe Doring defended the Triple Crown in Canada against Rhino back in like 2014, that Wada was not the referee since his return to the company after the Wrestle 1 split. I'm trying to think if there was like another one with, that he also didn't ref, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah, I I don't, I'm not 100% on that, but... It's been quite a few years that he's refed them all, at least since 2018. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that Daisuke Kamabashi got it over Nikon Lee, because I think she's been with the company longer, hasn't she? Yes. Um, I mean, it is still Japan, and I think it's really good that, like, I mean, it's already, in a way, quote-unquote, progressive that all Japan has a female ref. But I would not be surprised if there's still like a certain element of like, well, we can't have a woman ref the Triple Crown match. 
even if she's right, the right, even right. if she's the uh, the more senior one. Like it's completely silly, but again, it's Japan. Like that would yeah. not surprise me if that is the reason. That because normally in Japan seniority trumps everything. Right. That, that's what I was. That's, that's why it's weird that she didn't do that. it. Yeah. So like that really is like to me is like the only explanation for why she didn't. Like obviously there might be a completely different reason for why she didn't, but that it would not mm-hmm. surprise me if that is the reason. Yeah. Because Kamabayashi used to be the ref in Basara, I want to say. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Before he came to all Japan, and I I call him Blue Sleeves. <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the uh, good show, I think, overall. Yes. Um, it was like, you know, an episode of Raw is all Japan, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but I still think it, it could, not quite as good as some of the last few shows, but I would still s- say you can add it to the streak that they've had this year of good sh- shows at Corkin or other big shows. Yeah, definitely. I think definitely, despite all the angles of some of the booking... Uh, I think overall it was really good. And I mean, it, it's it's exciting as well. Like we said, we have some concerns and where some of the booking might lead, but there's definitely kind of an air of excitement around all Japan right now. Yeah, definitely, much more so than quite in any time since the pandemic started. Yes, yes, it it definitely feels they're really setting things. Like I said earlier, they're really starting to set things up for Budokan. So I think it's really good that they're really building some buzz. Like it seems like they're really trying to build that Budokan show properly and creating some yeah. buzz early on, and then trying to carry that all the way to Budokan. Uh, we will talk about this in a later episode that will probably be a couple of months away. But uh, you know, I'm starting to try to hone and figure out what my Budokan attendance estimate guess is going to be. Yeah, I think once we get a better idea of the card, I think that's when we can start doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the next show has not aired yet. It will air on Samurai TV, I believe, on June twelfth. But it is relevant to uh, all Japan because they kept doing angles on the show. <laughs> they can't stop doing angles. Um, but this was really like um, a production of Kohei Wada, Fumahito, aka Tiger Kihara, and uh, the uh, Nippon Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, which I believe is run by, I think, in part by Motoko Baba's niece. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, but it's also she's run by Vada and Kihara. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're the, the point men, but I believe she's the money person. I mean, that makes sense, yeah. I mean, especially if you look at, like... Yeah. I mean, it's not an all-Japan show, but, like, it's very clearly, like, all-Japan-related. Yeah. Um. So, they had an attendance of 1588, and I believe that's probably legit, or close to it, because it certainly looked full. Um, Did that drop better than the... Kana's retirement show because I'm trying to think if this is like the best. Yes. So that's the best Korokan number since the Kana's pandemic. was 14 something, yeah. I think. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was around there. And then it was like 15 something for the new, the 60th anniversary. Oh yeah, so it's either this or the anniversary show that is like the best number yeah. since the pandemic yeah. started. But still, the the, the yeah. it's less than 100 between the 60th anniversary and the show because they're both within yeah. the 1500 range. Um, so just quickly, the results, Minoru Tanaka defeated Ryo in a way, which I can't wait to see, mm-hmm. um, street fight, tornado bunkhouse, hardcore death match, Atsushi Onida, Great Kojika, Reijin, Yaguchi, and Yankee Tukenju 
that's Sami Kodakan, Yuka Miyamoto defeated Akira Raijin, Hikaru Sato, Kuma Arashi, Mitsuya Nagai, and Yoshi Tatsu. I am somewhat curious to see this one as well. And it only lasted 5.53, so how bad could it be? <laughs> yeah, that's also the other thing. <laughs> and again, this was labeled as the actual Jumbo Saruda Memorial match, which, again, I need to reiterate, what better way to pay homage to Jumbo Saruda than a Street Fight Tornado Bunkhouse Hardcore match? You know, that the Jumbo Saruda special. Yeah, the only stipulation that Jumbo would have ever participated in is a two out of three <laughs> Yes, <falls>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, sorry, I knocked over my mic. Um, make sure I'm still recording and everything properly. Um, so after that, um, Kim Duck retirement match. Uh, Kim Duck, Tatsumi Fujinami, and Yoshiaki Yatsu defeated Masanobu Fuji, Masao Inoue, and Shiro Koshinaka in 11 minutes and 59 seconds. Uh, this could have been decent, I guess. I'm curious who took the fall I mean, in this one. I mean, Fuji probably. Uh, was it, uh, wasn't it Inoue? Maybe. I actually didn't look it up, so might have been. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, it, this could have been passable. In, I mean, I know Masao Inoue is not a, a like a, <laughs> a work rate master or anything, but he's still, like, not, like, you know, completely broken down. And Kaushinaka can still kind of go, actually. And then, you know, Fujinami is still really great for, like, 68. Duck is 70, so I don't know what he looks like because he hasn't wrestled in a while. And, well, Yatsu's only got one leg and wrestles on a prosthetic. <laughs> leg so whatever i mean i'll just say like i bet you it was better than the bunkhouse match. yeah that one as well like because it went 553 i just realized that's not enough time for everyone to tag in no no there was no tagging in this oh one. yeah right oh it's I'm a tornado sure. match yeah never mind okay yeah it must have been yeah yeah and then uh in a match that had some hilarious images on twitter where uh shingo takagi and uh yuma aoyagi compared trophy <laughs> sizes yuma uh, is bigger takagi and <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shingo Takagi and T-Hawk defeated Nextream at Ski Aoyagi and Yuma in 1429, which could have been the match of the show, I guess. I mean, I would I don't know. very likely guess so. So, I would guess. I'm guessing it was. I mean, also, like, not a pr- what is also easy to forget as well, because All Japan is probably, on average, the heavyweight division in All Japan is the largest in Japan, I would say, at this point. Yeah. Because I think what was really notable to me is like how much bigger Yuma is than Tringo. And Yuma doesn't look like a big guy. Yeah, exactly. But that's because he's in all Japan, because he's in there with guys like Shuji Ishikawa, so he looks comparatively small. But if you probably put him like in another promotion, he probably would be one of the bigger guys. So um, uh, related to this topic, I came across this English interview with Kento Miyahara from 2019 that was published in Stripes, which is sort of like the U.S newspaper for like the military because it was um promoting an all japan show in okinawa in 2019 and in it kento says like oh come and see like the all japan show like we have big heavy guys right so it's like part of their like marketing strategy and everything yeah which again makes sense because everyone else is getting smaller yeah so it is actually like a distinguishing factor for them that they are like the land of the big men basically and like the why like they love um, the Saito brothers and why, like, Renai Abbey could very well end up in the company, I think, at some point. Yep. And uh, I think the Yuma Anzai, who's in the dojo, he's 6'2". Cause he was yeah, no, they're also very clearly, like, recruiting bigger guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they, well, they had a bunch of juniors they graduated to, but... Yeah. Um, 
I bet you if you put those some of the if you if you put Hokuto Amori in the ring with juniors and other companies, he'd actually be a bigger than a lot of them. Yeah. Because he low-key could be like a heavyweight he and be a heavyweight in Noah. He puts a bit more weight. Whereas uh, he would probably already easily be one of Noah. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably the size of like Kenya Okada. Yeah. Or what guess so. I mean, in that case, let me just quickly look it up while you try and talk uh try and uh So yeah, while you look that up we'll move on to the next match because we got more angles. <laughs> yeah, Omori is one seventy seven and eighty five kilograms. Which I think that is comparable to someone like Nakajima. Nakajima's one seventy five. Yeah, so he's actually taller than Nakajima. Yeah, yeah. Uh so Suwama and Yuji Nagata defeated Suzuki Gun, uh Taichi and Takamichinoku in sixteen minutes and fifty six seconds. I mean this actually could have been a good match too. But what happened after the match is Suwama attacked Nagata, you know, the beatdown, and then Nagata, uh, Dan Tamara and Hikaru Sato make the save. And Nagata, I think, joins Evolution. Yeah. Was, was that how it was formally said? And he's going to go after Suwama and Voodoo murders with them. Which, that's, and we have the Blue Justice and uh, Evolution murder. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he's already wearing blue tights, so it's not like he really has to change all that much. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I like Nagata in this spot. This is a good spot for him. Um, I don't know how good the matches will be. Maybe they will be good. I don't know. But it's cool that Nagata's involved, and I hope that it turns into more than just this little angle. Yeah, I think Nagata's kind of a good addition to the roster if he wants to like work all Japan more regularly going forward. I'm sure he'll still go. the big shows. Yeah, at least for like the big shows and everything, because obviously like probably hard for him to get a spot on New Japan shows now that... Yeah. Uh, the foreigners are back, yeah. so I think it makes them to like allow him to do more outside stuff. Yeah, I was going to say now that the foreigners are back in New Japan, I think they're going to force Tenzan to retire. Yes, yes, I think that's very likely going to happen. Whereas for someone like Nagata, it makes more sense for him to like work something like All Japan. Um, I mean, and if he did actually formally join Evolution as well, like I think that tips it off as well that he is going to work All Japan more regularly because why else would he like? do that if, if it's just a one-off. Yeah. Then our main event, Junakiyama, Kento Miyahara, and Minoru Suzuki went to a draw against Jake Lee, a 30-minute draw against Jake Lee, Takao Mori, and X, who was Joe Doring. Yep. Um, really excited. Really happy Joe was back. <laughs> okay, well, well, I'll get to that in a second. I thought it was going to be Taiokea. A lot of people thought it was going to be Taiokea. Now I, I didn't. Now we said like Joe Doring's a possibility, but honestly, he was not my leading pick. So this was a very pleasant surprise. Um, but I think is, we actually it, said that we were like, I don't, we don't think Joe wants to get onto a plane just for one match. Well, here's the thing: a couple of things. Joe didn't appear at the All Japan show uh, on the 29th, even though he had been announced for as the X by then. Yeah. Joe Doring isn't announced for any All Japan shows, and the uh, Oda Ward is um, the same day as Slammiversary. Ah, damn it, okay. But he doesn't have a match yet announced for Slammiversary, but his stablemate, Eric Young, is in the main event facing Josh Alexander for the Impact title. So, so it's unlikely he's going to be I there. would assume he would be the muscle, like accompanying... He's not the only other member mm-hmm. in the group, but like I think it's what one of the Deaners or something is also in the group, but I don't, I don't yeah. watch Impact that much. Um, but so I don't know because like they, I should say Tiger Kihara ran an angle on his Twitter 
where he had Joe say a few words about, hey, Suwama, like, why are you joining Voodoo Murders? I'm an original member of Evolution. I'm going to come and get you. But there's been no other indication that we're getting any more Joe. So was that just something ad-libbed at spur of the moment? Maybe. But I'm still hoping that maybe we're going to get, like, a video or something. Maybe they, like, shot something backstage at that show that they're going to show at Ota. Like, yeah. that's that's my hope, basically. Like, after the Suvama uh, and Taro, like, after the Voodoo Murderers match was Evolution at Ota City, like, that there's going to be something there. I mean, I hope that Joe Doring comes back more regularly to Japan. Oh, I do, too. I just I mean, he's not the same as he used to be, but I think he's still, like, if you put him in, like, tag matches and everything and don't have him do, like, regular singles matches, I think he can still go. Yeah, but I also think that, like, I don't know how much cachet he has over the long term, but I think you can still mm-hmm. pop a number at a show, like, his first, like, Triple Crown t- challenge again if you went that route. Yeah, I think you can definitely main event a Korokan with that. Yeah, you probably do a decent number if, you know, fans are coming back and stuff. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would do that, honestly. I would do a Kento versus yeah. Joe match. To be fair, I also don't really want to see a Joe match until people are allowed to make noise again. Yeah. Because just a Joe Doring entrance without people, like, screaming Joe, 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 kill, Joe, kill, like, that just would be kind of disappointing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, hopefully, I'm not a 100% sold that he's coming back, but hopefully he is. So, running out of that, as soon as that show ended, they uh, announced five matches for Oda Ward. Yuma Aoyagi versus Shuji, Shuji Kondo. This was never a match that crossed my mind, but I can't wait. I mean, it's going to be super exciting. It's also weird how like Shuji Kondo is in like every promotion right now, because he is in the he's he's advanced really far in the King of Gate and Dragon Gate. Yep. So he's getting a push there right now. And he he's probably going to get a title shot against Kai, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because he beat Kai, he, he squashed Kai in King of Gate. Like literally squashed him. Like he squashed the champion. To like if. If you're someone that doesn't watch Dragon Gate, like Kai is the champion there, and Kondo squashed him in the King of Gate in like five minutes. Wasn't it 37 uh, seconds? Yeah. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, it was even shorter than that. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Um, and then, but he's also Noah now because yeah. he joined Congo, <laughs> so he's there, and now he's in All Japan wrestling Yuma Aoyagi, which is about as random as a match as I can come up with. He's uh, he's pulling what you would call uh, Shigehiro Irie. Yeah, he really is, but he's just everywhere in like all different f- factions and just burrowing his way into every promotion. <laughs> we like after he was kind of like kind of disappeared for like a little bit. Obviously, he was injured, but then he still didn't really do all that much in Dragon Gate. But then also wasn't wrestling anywhere else, and now he's just everywhere at once. Really interesting. But yeah, I'm actually interested in this Aoyagi versus Kondo match. Like, it is very random, but as you said, like, it also could be a really, really good match too. Absolutely. And then Suwama and Taru versus Yuji Nagata and Dan Tamara. Yeah. I mean, that it's probably not going to be much of an actual match. I kind of expect this to be somewhat of an extended angle as well. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if if they're smart and work around Taru... It could be decent, I guess. I kind of want to see Nagata and Suwama score, score off. It's been a long time. Yeah. But I mean, also with Taro in there, and we're talking about like rebranding Voodoo Murderers, yeah. should they just rebrand them to Voodoo Attempted Murderers? <laughs> yes, 
they could do that. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, I don't know. There's three good guys. Uh, not three good, but like there's three good wrestlers in this match. And Taro. So I would expect that to be at least... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a good feeling for this match because like it's not going to be just a normal wrestling match. If this was Suwama in like Minoru... So oh, Kono. Out. Like, if it's Kono, Kono I would even, expect yeah. more of a match as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or even but I just expect a lot of heat, a lot of cheating, chair shots. Some powder. Choking with powder, yeah. Choking with cables. Maybe a dog collar. Yeah, I mean, if they actually... Like, if there is actually a dog collar in this one as well, and they put it on Dan again, then I still hope that that actually means that they are going to do that eventually. Yeah. And then... Um, we got the um, world tag titles, uh, Twin Towers versus Shino Honda. We already discussed that and our thoughts about who should win and whether or not they should go with Shino and Honda. And then I guess also being billed as the uh, Atsushi Aoki Memorial and PWF Junior title match, it's official, Hikaru Sadu versus Tiger Mask. Um, uh, yeah. Paul, do, do you think, think Tiger Mask has a chance? Yeah, I think he does, but I'm still leaning towards Sato. Yeah, I am, I am leaning towards Sato as well. And even if Tiger Mask wins, I would expect that to be a very brief run and actually yeah. Sato to win it right back on like the next show or something. Oh no, I, I mean Tiger Mask takes it to Budokan and drops it to Atsuki. <sighs> Maybe. That's Maybe. the only scenario that would make any sense if Tiger for him to win. If he's just going to drop it back to Sato, then that is pointless. Yeah, but that's also what how they've been booking junior titles, so... <laughs> um. I mean, but I do expect the match to be good. Yeah. I think Sato can get something good out of Tiger Mask. Yeah. I mean, it all depends how motivated Tiger Mask is going to be. Yeah. And then, as sort of brought Kento... Sorry, I should have mentioned that Kento called out Jake at the end of the Cork and Hall show, basically being like, Jake never lost the title. I want to face him. So we're going to get yet another Kento versus Jake <laughs> match for the Triple Crown and Oda Ward. They did this in October when they went to the 60-minute draw. I think Kento wins this and then Total Eclipse completely falls apart. That make the most sense, I think. Yeah, I think that's what makes the most sense here as well. Like, I don't think there's any point in putting the title on Jake now. No. Because, like... He should not be the champion going into Budokan. No, no, absolutely not. Like, Kento needs to have... Kento needs to be involved in a title program at Budokan. Like, he either needs to be champion or he needs to challenge for the belt. And I think it would be very deflating if it's just yet another Jake Lee versus Kento match at Budokan. Because yeah. if Kento loses here, then that needs to be the title match again at Budokan. So I just really hope that's not what they're doing. So I hope Kento just beats Jake and then Jake just, yeah, as I said, total eclipse falls apart and that leads into whatever Jake is going to do at Budokan. And Kento then just, yeah. If um, Whoever challenges Kento, we're going to see. Yeah. If uh, Total Eclipse does fall apart, would you keep Hokuto, Kodama, and Kumadoi in a, in a, in a group together? Because I think they actually work well together. Um, I mean, I'm also curious what Hokuto could do himself as well. Or, I mean, if we get, for example, get like a new faction with like Yuma and Jake, maybe potentially, then I would actually be interested to see Hokuto in that as well. I mean, I do think they work well together. I mean, I do have a feeling that Kuma, Arashi, and uh, Doi are just gonna like split off and just be a tag team without a faction now. But do you think Kodama sort of orbits them as the third man? Maybe I could I could see that that he's like their third whenever they are in a six man tag. 
but I don't think they're going to be like a formal faction anymore. Because yeah. I actually like them getting their own shirts that is not Total Eclipse branded at all. To me, it's a bit of a tip-off to that as well. Oh, that's a good point. I never thought about it. Whether or not you like the shirts or not, that was a, that's actually a bit of a tip-off, I guess. Yeah. So I think they're just going to be on their own now, which I think is fair enough. I think they don't really need to be in a faction to be an effective tag team. So, yeah, and then Kodama and Omori, I think that depends if they keep the All-Asia tag titles or not. Yeah. Because if they lose them, then I think they all they might also be done as a team as well. Yeah, probably. Okay, so that's all Japan. Uh, any other thoughts on the company before we move on? No, I think we've kind of covered it yeah. fairly extensively already. Yeah, so, you know, keep watching. I think things will hopefully be good. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're not watching All Japan right now, like, I think now is a good time to jump into it as well. I think that might be the only thing we haven't said yet. Yeah, definitely. So we move on to Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, they had a Dream On show in Yokohama. Um, there wasn't really much. What was the date of that again? Sorry, I don't have it here. The uh, 19th, I think. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the only thing I would say on that show was uh, Kaido Kiyomiya defeated Simon Gotch, which I thought was a really good match. Uh, Gotch, I have to say, I didn't expect much, but he's really acclim—he's really acclimated himself uh, pretty well to yep. uh, Noah, and I would like to see him back, honestly. Yeah, no. We've both talked about like how much of a positive surprise Gotch has been, and just, just continued that, and like late, later on as well, on the next show that we're going to talk about as well. So uh, I think he's really earned himself a spot on the roster. Uh, yeah, I said, like, I hope he comes back because he leaves sometime. Like, he's going to be there still for quite a while longer. Like, I think he's yeah, scheduled he's here to at leave least until in July. Oh, yeah, right, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, but I hope he comes back for, like, the N1 and it's just a regular going forward because I think he would be a really good addition to that tournament. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so then we go on to uh, the... Noah Dream on 2022 in Oda Ward on May 21st. Opening match, Kazuyuki Fujita defeated Kinyo Okada in 7 minutes and 11 seconds. And I like this. And I gotta say, I thought this wasn't quite... Well, I mean, it was a squash, but I thought Okada looked better here than I thought he was going to be allowed to look. Yeah, I mean, especially because this was the Fujita return match after he had to drop the title. So I really expected this to just be Fujita taking his frustrations out on Okada. But they did actually make it a bit more of like an actual match than that. And it was also a lot more ground-based than I expected it to be as well. And I think they actually work well together here. Like, if they actually ever want to do something with Okada, which I know is something that we've been banging on for 10 episodes now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if they actually ever do something with him, and they can actually have a proper singles match, I think it could be really, really good. I think these two have really good chemistry. So, yeah, I actually would be excited to see a proper singles match between them. Yep. And then, so the next match was Kai Fujimura and Yoshiki Inamura defeated Daiki Inaba and uh, Junta Miyawaki. Um, yeah, I mean, this was good. I mean, all four guys, not always treated very well, but they are all very good wrestlers. I'm I'm just happy that Inamura was on the winning side here because I actually expected Fujimura to take the pin. So happy that was not the case. So yeah, but over but overall, really really good tag match, and all four guys got to show off what they can do. I have to say, uh, Inamura's mullet is looking great uh, these days. Yeah, have we actually in general talked about Inamura's new gear? I don't think we have yet. No, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. It looks kind of good, but it looks a little too like. 
is this guy like doing a techno team 2000 <laughs> gimmick yeah I, like i'm literally like back and forth every single time if i like the gear or if i don't like the gear like half the time i see it i'm like oh this is amazing and the other half i'm like this is horrible so yeah i'm still not sure where i fall on it so i think probably long term i'm gonna once i get used to it i'm gonna be on the side that it looks awesome it's just it's it was a bit garing when he first came out in it so i think it's still the leftovers from that but i think long term i'm gonna fall on the side that i think it looks good yeah next match was shuhei taniguchi defeating mohammed yone in 10 minutes and 42 seconds um i thought this was actually good I don't know. I'm not going to say great or anything, but I like to see, um, you know, Taniguchi back as just good old Taniguchi. Yeah, I mean, the thing that actually came away from this, because obviously him leaving Funky Express and everything, I would assume is going to lead to, like, Taniguchi moving up the card as well. Because, I mean, as we know, like, I mean, he can still go, and this is Noah, so age is not really a factor of whether or not you get pushed and everything. Right. So that's fine. But what I actually came out of this match, and again, if age is not a factor and everything, because the one that I actually, in that case, want to see like get pushed a bit harder than he is as well, is Yone. Because Yone I, can still go. Yeah, I think so too. Like, there's uh, no reason why Yone is just the one guy that is just permanently banished to these undercards. Yeah, I get Maybe Taniguchi because he's one of their guys. Well, Yone's been with the company almost since the beginning, really. Yeah. Even though he's not like a one of their originals. Uh, no, so, but yeah, he's I been like he's been loyal to the promotion for like yeah, way more than other people have been. For sure, for sure, he hasn't jumped on like people that were trained by them. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's been with the promotion since yeah since two thousand one. Yeah. Like and like he's pretty much only worked Noah since two thousand two. And how many other people that can say that? <laughs> well, I mean, Saito's in a similar situation as Yone, really. Although he's older. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he he's also, like, to me, a slowdown a bit more as well. Whereas Yone, yeah. to me, can still go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Taniguchi's getting the, the move up the card for some reasons. Maybe he's going to be in the N1. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, not that I'm against that. But, like, that's just what I came out of this match. Like, it wasn't that I thought Taniguchi was bad, but I was just more impressed by Yone. And so the next match was um, the Congo team of Hajime Ohara, Hiroki, Tadasuke, and Shuji Kondo defeating Atsushi Kotoge, Daisuke Harada, Hao, and Yohei in 15-15 when Kondo pinned uh, Hao with the King Kong Lariat. I mean, this was another good match. Yep. No, I mean, uh, Congo's really good at these kind of matches. And the, the Congo juniors have kind of like swelled up to be fairly large now i mean <laughs> both in terms of numbers as also size with the addition of shuji kongo shuji, ah, kondo yeah so, they've got the couple power juniors in tadasuke and kondo now yeah and i mean we've been talking about tadasuke quite a bit as well but he really is doing the best work of his career right now mm-hmm, definitely yeah i have really turned the corner over the last i would say two years really on, on tadasuke yep. um and then uh we had the Segura gun team of Hideki Suzuki, Takashi, Sugera. Well, I guess Mochi, Misaki Mochizuki isn't in Segura gun, but they defeated Kongo, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Manabu Soya, and Masakatsu Funaki in fifteen fifty four. After uh, Soya got uh, pinned by Mochizuki after a running kick to the face, I mean another great match. I mean the undercard on this is like your standard Noah undercard, but I mean it, it always delivers. This yep. is no exception. Yeah, definitely. I think. The key spot here was when uh, Hideki flipped off Nakajima when Nakajima was on the top rope. Yeah. Uh, 
that again made some waves as well. But like, I think there were some people, I don't know actually what really the sentiment for this was. I feel there were some people that were again like waving this into this bigger, like, oh, Nakajima's getting disrespected. But to me, this was very clearly like a storyline thing as well. Right. So you think that this is just part of a. So you think Nakajima's position is part of a storyline instead of him getting downcycled after a disappointing drawing as champ? I mean, it might be both. Like, honestly. But, I mean, he was, in theory, being left off the Cyber Fight card. I mean, not anymore, but we're going to gonna get to that later. Yeah. Um, so, like, it honestly might be both. Like, I don't think they're going to, like, push... Like, I don't think they're going to completely depush him. Like, I just don't think he's going to be in any, like, singles main events on, like, major shows for, like, at least, like, a while now. So, but I think he's still going to be a pushed commodity in the promotion. Yeah, like, and this to me was very clearly just like them kind of leaning into that a bit as well, and just making it a storyline basically. Uh, yep. And then a uh, next match was Keno defeating Simon Gotch in uh, ten minutes in forty-seven seconds after referee stoppage because of the sleeper hold. Again, another great Gotch performance. And Keno, of course, is great, like one of the best in the world too. Just a lot of fun. Yep. Uh. What was curious, though, because we talked about it in the last show where we expected that Gotch would at least get, like, some singles win here, but then he lost, like, against both Kaito and Kano. Um, I think don't think it really hurts him, though, that he lost all of those singles matches because if he looked strong in all of them, and he did lose against, like, three of the, like, top, top guys in the promotion because, right. obviously, Funaki is a champion, yep. and then Kaito and Kano are, like, two major stars, like, the two main eventers. So I don't think he really loses all that much, like having lost all of these matches, and he looked strong in all of them. So he's still kind of established as a guy that is like, he is someone that can hang with the main eventers, but he can't beat them, which I think is fair for someone that is completely new in the promotion and completely new in Japan as well. Like it is still in a way like a fairly strong push for him right out of the gate. So Yeah, I yeah. think if he comes back, he'll start getting more wins. Yeah, and like, I mean, he is still there for like, a bit longer as well. So yeah, because he did uh, because Keno was like trying to shake his hand in the post match, and then Gotch just rejected that. So oh yes, that's right. So I'm curious if this is like something more long term. If maybe he will, because I think he actually would be a really good fit for Congo. Absolutely. So I'm curious if this is just like something they're building to long term, or if he just joins like Seguragon instead. Uh, yeah, well, Seguragan already sort of seems to have, like, foreigners and stuff, so I don't yeah. know. I think he would actually be a better fit in, in Congo, too. No, I think he would be a perfect fit for Congo. Like, in terms of, like, yeah. attitude and everything, he's just... Yeah, maybe him rejecting Keno just makes Keno want him more in the faction, because, like, oh, this guy fits perfectly personality-wise. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be a question, but, uh, yeah, I think Gotch will be sta- sticking around past July, or at least for, like, this tour, as long as yeah. it lasts. Yeah. And so the next match uh, for the JNC Junior Tag Team title, uh, Stinger, Chris Wedgway, and Yoshinari Ogawa went to a no contest with Stinger. Or no, sorry, Ogawa and, and Ridgeway aren't in Stinger anymore. No, they are. So basically this match was about whoever loses this match has to leave Stinger. Oh, right, okay. So no one has to leave Stinger so, now. <laughs> because it was a no contest because Peros Del Mal returned... And Nosawa has 
signed a new contract with the company. Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe, perhaps. Yeah, because they, they've used contracts as uh, uh, storylines before, right? Because Super Crazy had signed a year-long contract. But have you noticed that Super Crazy isn't on any of these shows? No, he's back. They actually announced him. Oh, he's oh, going he's to be back, back yeah. yeah. They okay. already announced that he's going to come back as well. I don't even really want to talk about the match itself, more about the angle, because the match was fine. But it also felt like it never got into like second gear. Yeah. Which again makes sense because there was no contest, but also that it was twenty one minutes of just Yeah. So stupid. Middling work and then minutes. they do a no contest. It just so really felt that like I really felt like they wasted my time here. Like if you're gonna do a no contest, then I don't know, do a ten minute match and then do it. Yeah. Don't do a twenty one minute match and then just have no finish. Like that's just I don't know, that that was kinda shitty to me. This felt like the stupidest thing that the Noah Juniors have done and they've done in the Noah Junior division in a while because I yeah. thought it was getting better. Yeah. And they did this. Yeah. Like I don't mind that it was a no contest and I wouldn't have minded it if it was a long match, but like the combination of both. Like that just really left a sour taste in my mouth. I mean otherwise though the angle was good. Uh, the English commentary a little bit gave it away because originally I mean it was clear that it was like Paris de Mal, but they were wearing masks. But Commentary just immediately was like, oh my god, it's Nosawa, Kotaro, Suzuki, and Ata before they even took off their masks. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, yes, obviously it's them, but also we kind of like, uh, he kind of took it away here. Like, he went like a few seconds too early on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy that Paris them all are back. Uh, I think, I mean, I think the junior division would have been fine without them, but I also think it is a more varied division with them in it. Right. And that also means that the like Dragon Gate like Noah relationship is still ongoing and might actually be stronger as well because we're yeah. actually going to get a Triangle Gate match uh, now going as well where Stinger is where it's going because Ridgeway is going back to England so we're not going to have like a GHC Junior tag title match until he comes back. Right. So instead now Ogawa, Yoshioka and Susumu are going to have a match for the Triangle Gate. Now that that could be a good match. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I mean, overall, I'm happy that Nasawa's back. Who knows what his backstage position is now? I mean, if I'm being honest, all of this, like, backstage turmoil and everything, like, I kind of low-key don't really give a shit. <laughs> like, I actually find it, I actually find it, I actually find all of the discussion to reround it to be very tiring and a little bit annoying. So, yeah, um, but otherwise, like, I think it is good though that they're back with back with the promotion now. Uh, they're a good addition to the promotion. So yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be. So obviously they already announced that Super Crazy's back. I wonder if that means that uh, uh, that Tejano Junior is also going to be back as well because I thought he did really well in the like two matches that he had. So kind of would be sad if this would have been just a one-off and if he's like the only. Los Peros guy does not back. Well, actually, there is actually one Los Peros guy that actually seems to be gone uh, because they did uh, they did uh, publish the alignment chart because Noah has this alignment chart of like who's in which faction and who's challenging for what belt. And they did put Los Peros back up there, but it was only Suzuki, Ata, and Nasawa. And they've already announced that Super Crazy is going to be back. But someone that I think was notable to not be back and maybe he's just going to return later, was uh, Ikoto Hidaka. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. He's like the second best worker. Yeah, exactly. Like, that would be really 
like I would be really sad if that means Hidaka's gone. And maybe maybe he pops up in Noah like later on, or maybe he goes somewhere else. Like if he goes somewhere else, then maybe he goes to all Japan or would come back to all Japan to and have a match against Sato. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I definitely would be in favor of that, but it 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 would be kind of weird if he's like within all of this kind of like weird like Lost Parastel Mal storyline and Fallout if he's like the only one that doesn't come back. Yeah, that's weird. But yeah, we you can never say this person's not coming back to Noah these days. Yeah, exactly. So he could just pop up under a mask like to run in at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, like so that that's low-key what I'm expecting that he might interfere in the trying gate. Yeah. And so uh, the next match after this was uh, Hayata defeated uh, Extreme Tiger for the G- uh, to retain the GHC Junior Heavyweight title in his first defense uh, after winning the title back from Ata. Uh, in 14 minutes and 53 seconds after the headache, um, I thought this was not bad. I mean, and they kept it to a reasonable length for a Hayata title match, which sometimes go way too long. So I have to say, like, this was fine and good. You know, there's not much to it or anything like that, but, you know, it wasn't like, well, I don't know if it was ever going to be a train wreck, but I thought it could be very underwhelming, so I will say it wasn't that. I don't know. I thought this was just extremely boring. Really? Yeah. I I actually, you know, looking at the time as well, it actually felt like it was as long as the junior tag title match to me. Like, I struggled really hard to pay attention during this match. Maybe that was because we just had this, like, 21-minute no contest match and then yeah. a Hayata match right after. Like, I really struggle to, like, because normally, like, I try not to look at my phone. Like, I try and pay attention to the match. But, like, in this one, I, like, just very often just felt my eyes, like, wandering, like, over to my phone. Like, so much so that I had to, like, put it out of reach (laughs) just so that I was able to pay attention to the match. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't like this match at all. I mean, to me, Extreme Tiger, like, he's, I don't know, he's, he's a weird one. Like, he can have good matches, but then sometimes he just puts in a performance like this where he's just completely nothing. So I was just like, I was just bored. Like, I was just, I don't know. I mean, maybe I oversold it. I mean, I'm not saying it was a great match or anything. I think it just was a case of it exceeding my very low expectations, (laughs) really, if anything. You know, I didn't like, yeah, I just wasn't quite, I don't think as bored as you, but I think I was expecting something that could have been kind of ugly. So it wasn't that I thought. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the Slap Pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great Slap Packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club Slap Packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Um, and then so the semi-main event for the GHC uh, um, heavyweight tag team titles, and I think a result that everyone expected. Michael Algan and Masa Kedemia defeated El Hijo Del Dr. Wagner Jr. and Rene Dupree in 23 minutes and 22 seconds after Kedemia pinned Wagner Jr. after like a double power bomb. Um, this went way too long, I thought, but it wasn't that bad. There was some like cool like power spots interspersed within the match, but keeping some of these guys in a 23 minute match is a bit much, I thought. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't as bad as the match before. I also thought this was a little bit boring. Um, I guess maybe because I watched it, I don't know. Um, I did have somewhat higher expectations for this. Yeah, I also thought it went a little bit too long. Uh, it ended up, like, it was still an okay match. Like, I don't think it was a bad match, but it was just kind of an okay match. Uh, obviously, like, it was the expected result as well. Um, yeah, I mean, just interested to see where, like, the tag titles are going to go going forward as well. I do expect this team, like, that they're gonna be somewhat high up the card as well so they might like main event some minor shows as well and i would also expect them to have like a relatively lengthy reign with the title as well yep i expect that yeah i mean i didn't really have any high expectations at all in going into this because i thought you know i don't know wagner's improved but like i don't know if he can carry a long tag match and of course no. Rene dupree not so much right no and kinemi is hit and miss right yeah yeah, I mean, I just expected, like, there were some power spots, but maybe I, like, expected, like, it'd be, like, a big 
bit more of like like you know more like similar to like the Twin Towers versus Kuma uh, right. Kuma Doi that, match. They just, probably could have done that in fifteen minutes. Yeah, a way better match. Yeah, where they just kind of throw each other around and they they did that a little bit, but not as much as I expected them to. And then for the main, to the main event with a big triumphant return of Keiji Muto and his um, artificial knees. Uh, Go Shiozaki, Kaido Kiyomiya, and Masato Tanaka defeated Muto, Naomichi Marufuji, and Satoshi Kojima in 23 minutes and 46 seconds. When Ko, no, sorry, Shiozaki pinned Kojima after a lariat, sort of uh, evening things up in their build to the main event of the Cyber Fight Festival. Um, I mean, I thought Muto looked like Muto, which isn't to say great, but he didn't look any worse than he was looking when he uh, um, got injured or his hip started acting up on him. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really notice a difference as well. Uh, I mean, I guess he was wrestling kind of with this hip injury before as well, because I think it was right. just For like... For all a, we know, it really hasn't healed. Yeah, yeah, that that too. So uh, I guess maybe that's why there was really no difference, because I think it was just a case where this <laughs> was a thing that had been bothering him for a while, so he finally went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, oh yeah, no, your hip's fucked. So, yeah, Muru doesn't like to listen to doctors. <laughs> yes, I mean, I think everyone knows that. I think that's literally the one thing that everyone can agree upon for Keiji Muto. Like, I think even his biggest defenders are going to agree that Muto doesn't listen to doctors. They just see that as a good thing. <laughs> so, I mean, to be fair, though, I mean, in this case, and I actually forgot to put it on the run sheet for the Cyber Fight Festival... Like, Muru is going to have an announcement. Like, he's not, he doesn't have a match at the Cyber Fight Festival, but he has an announcement at the Cyber Fight Festival. So, what do you think that announcement is going to be? I think a lot of people are expecting retirement, but I could see him swerving in and announcing he's challenging for the winner of <laughs> Kojima versus Shiozaki. <laughs> yes. That's the big announcement, isn't it, really? I mean, those are really the two options here, because I don't really foresee him announcing anything else. They're not going to do something stupid where he announces he's going to retire, but also challenge Kojima, the winner of Kojima. He's going to retire Mura. with the belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vern Gagne did it. Uh, yeah. I mean, if there's anyone that is KJ Muto's big idol, it's Vern Gagne. <laughs> uh, Doesn't Muto, Muto has no kids, right? As far as I know. Muto has a daughter. Has, oh, a daughter. Okay. Because I was like, we can't have like a, 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 a Greg situation here. <laughs> Well, she is um, of university age. Like, she runs his Twitter, I think. That um, explains a lot, actually. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she, she, there's, like, she's, like, I I think she might be, like, a informal advisor to a, him. Because she's, like, he's tweeted out pictures of her at dinner with, like, Shanshiro Takagi. <laughs> so when is she going to win the Prince of Princess Championship? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I, she, there's no indication that she's going to be a wrestler, so. You never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but so she, maybe that's the announcement. To be honest, maybe that's the announcement. Oh that God, she's yeah. going to start training. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so something's happening. Although I don't think it. I think it's just a title challenge. I mean, it might be. Like, it's either that or retirement. Like, it really right. depends. Like, yeah. I mean, we can't really make any statements based off of, like, how he looked in this match. Because no. he's just very broken down already. So it could just be that, like, yeah, he can still around move around as he could previously but like as he was moving around previously was already like someone that probably should consider retirement so yeah. who knows what this is actually going to be and speaking of bad knees uh 
Marafuji is also out due to knee injury. Yep. After this match. Uh, so, uh, what do you think of the match, though? Uh, I thought the match was good. Um, yeah. I thought it was really solid, good match. Uh, I would say probably like my favorite match on the show was still Keno versus Gotch, but I think this one was second. It was just a really rock solid six man tag match. Continued to build to Kojima versus Shiozaki. Like, it was actually interesting because I expected Mudo to kind of take up like the majority of the match because it was like his big return match, but they right. still kind of kept the focus on Shiozaki versus Kojima. Which is the right choice. Of yes. Course. No, obviously, Maybe because. A better match. Yes. That's the big title match for like the biggest, because Cyber Fight Festival is like the biggest, technically the biggest show of the year for the Cyber Fight promotions. So you should keep the focus on that title match. Yeah, I thought it was a good, another good match. I mean, you know, uh, main event six man formula, which is del- always delivers no matter what other bullshit's going on in the company, really. <laughs> I mean, they have like really, like again, they have really, like you can't say that they don't have like a really kind of broad spectrum of main eventers like they probably have one of the like widest array of like people that can main event a show of like anyone in japan really because there's just so many people they can plug into these main events especially on these six mans so like they can that way they can keep it fresh as well because they can just keep cycle guys in and out out of those matches and no one really looks out of place i can't remember did i mention the attendance when we started this show no i don't think so no neither do i so it was 924 people which i have to say I think that's a disappointment, right? Yeah. I know some people brought up like that New Japan drew like 777 people in there earlier in the year, but that one to me is still murky if that was with attendance caps or not. Whereas if we compare it to shows that definitely did not have attendance caps, like the uh, the All Japan, like Oda Watch show uh had drew like significantly more than that dragon gate drew significantly more than that uh stardom like actually just recently like just this week we had stardom in new japan run there as well and draw significantly above 1000 people in there like, i believe stardom drew like 1800 yeah uh, new japan drew 1800 in there with uh robbie eagles versus el desperado and again i know this did not really have like a ghc title match uh, but again, it was built around like the big return of Mudo, and you had like Who's supposed three to be title matches draw. on there. And Noah, to me, like Noah has the aspirations to like challenge all Japan, uh, New Japan. Like they have the aspirations to challenge New Japan, and they have the backing of a major corporation. So that's the standard I'm going to hold them to for drawing. Right. Like they shouldn't. They should draw more than all Japan on a show even without a GC t- title match like simply because they should be a much bigger promotion than all japan just based on the budget that both promotions have yeah so to I mean, me this is a disappointment yeah yeah for sure i mean if you take out the Bud- well the budokan number was disappointing but still bigger than what all japan does yeah. and the sumo hall number was, are still bigger than what all japan does but in korakins and in some other venues I mean, all Japan's big shows are outdrawing Noah's some of Noah's bigger shows. Not their biggest, but shows that Noah, I still think, should be outdrawing all Japan in. Yes, like it shouldn't even really be a contest, to be honest. Like just based on where like Cyberfight wants not to be, because they clearly position it as the lead brand. And I think maybe that's actually one of the reasons why there isn't a KOD title match on the Cyberfight Festival show, because they might still try and push noah that much more that like noah is like that's the 
prestige brand basically that they want really yep. to be the drawing brand within the promotion so and again growth is flat i mean they're still running a quite a few more bigger buildings and maybe they're going to recover like later in the year but like as it is right now like they definitely don't show the level of growth that they should be based on the investment that has been made into the promotion right definitely i think that's a good way of putting it because they have shown some growth like if you compare them numbers like there is some growth there but i don't think it's enough like there's not enough of a return on investment right now no definitely not so they really like, a need to step up in the second half of the year to like justify the investment being made. There is a lot of money invested in this company. Yes. Moodle's contract is big, I'm sure. Yeah. And I mean, the, their shows, they Fujita's do look big league. Like, they do, like their yeah. production values are amazing. Like the show feels big as well, but then you look at the actual numbers and it's disappointing, yes. Yeah. Uh, so we then move on to uh, the show on, I believe it was the 30th or 31st. At uh, Club Sita Kawasaki, it only drew 162 people. I don't know enough about this um, um, venue to whether or not that's like a good number or not. It looked full, and I actually tried to look up because I can't remember seeing this venue before. Like at first glance, I thought it was uh, Shinkiba because it had kind of that Shinkiba vibe. Right. Um, it's not. Uh, I actually tried to I find, think... I went back like all the way to like, I tried to look for cage match to find like that building being run previously. I couldn't find any other show. Like I went back to like 2015. I couldn't find another show in that building. So it might be a new well, venue. I, well, it is, uh, it might be a new venue open to the fans because it is also built as the Noah special arena. Uh... And I think that's where they were taping the, those empty, uh, arena matches. Yeah, not only to say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is the same building. So, so maybe that is just like maybe they own it as well. So maybe that's just like something where they're gonna run like minor shows going forward. Yeah. Which again, I f- I thought the building looked good for like a show like yes, this. For sure, I would I would keep running shows. It looks better than Yokohama Radiant Hall. Yeah. No, it does look like a proper wrestling venue. Like like I said, it has that kind of like Shin Kiba vibe that works perfectly for smaller shows. Oh, oh! It's built as a super no vacancy full house. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it uh, it did look full. Like we couldn't really see like what the building looked like on the like other side of the hard cam, but like what we could see from the hard cam, like the show looked like every seat was sold out. Like right. I didn't really see any empty seats. Uh, so the first match uh, in a match that I was, I think, a lot of people were excited for, Yoshiki Inamura uh, versus Kazusato Higuchi. Went to a time limit draw at 15 minutes. I think I might have hyped myself up a little too much. I thought this was good, but it didn't quite seem like the crazy Haas battle that I was expecting. And I didn't think Inamura showed a lot of the like fire and energy he does usually here. I mean, he did a little bit towards the end, but there was something, I don't know, off about his performance in this. Did you think of that? Uh, yeah, I think maybe to me this match was just like a victim of like high expectations. Yeah. So, because obviously everyone was just like, I thought it was still a good match though. Yeah, but for sure it was good. There was something weird about it, yeah. Like, I also thought like the finish was weird, where they were just kind of sumo clutching, and then mm-hmm. they announced the time limit draw. Like, that's yeah. like a weird spot to end it on. I mean, maybe this was just like a thing 
I mean, obviously, it was just supposed to build to, like, the Cyber Fight 6 man tag match. Yeah. Maybe they were, like, saving some for, like, an eventual, like, singles match, because maybe both of them are going to be in the N1 and in the same block. But, yeah, there was definitely something felt off here. But I also can't really put my finger on it. Yep, for sure. Um, It's sort of interesting, I guess, like, just... I thought Higuchi looked better than Inamura, too. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was something about Inamura. I don't know. Because they weren't, like... They don't. They didn't wrestle like how most matches go when one minute is announced as being left on the clock and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that right? was really. That's what I mean. Like, it was just sumo yeah. clutching, and there was like no urgency really to like finish the match. So because you knew that the time limit draw was coming up. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean they are. And no, they aren't both former sumo guys, right? Like Higuchi was no judo, Inamura right? was. Inamura was, um, he was in, uh, I, I read this because this was a, a story ran in like the Japan Times, which is an English newspaper, several years ago before he actually was in the Noah Dojo, but he was one in one of those university pro wrestling clubs. Ah, okay. And I think Higuchi was a uh, judo, I think. I thought Higuchi was sumo. I was a good judo sumo. Okay. Yeah, I thought he was. Let me check a look. Higuchi. Uh, Higuchi. Oh, he was both, actually. He did judo and sumo. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then in the second match, Yohei and Extreme Tiger defeated Howe and Alejandro in 11 minutes and 15 seconds after uh, Yo pinned Howe with the Yo roll. Uh, I like this match. It was just like quick, fast-paced, you know, undercard junior match. Fun, like three and a half stars. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed this as well. Um, like I said, for me, like the two people that have like took like the biggest steps kind of in this year were like Tadasuke and then the other one is Yohei. Like mm-hmm. I think he's just like a really good kind of veteran baby face junior wrestler right now. Uh, and yeah, I really like kind of the finishing sequence as well where like just Yohei and Hao were just trying to roll each, up, each other up until Yohei caught Hao. So yeah, it was a fun match and uh, I like the finish. And then uh, Michael Elgin and Masa Kitamiya defeated Simon Gotch and Kenya Okada in 9 minutes and 52 seconds with an Elgin bomb on Okada. Uh, I thought this was good, and I thought actually Okada and Gotch worked really well as a team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, was kind of two good teams against each other. Uh, Okada and Gotch, yeah, as I said, like, they've showed really good chemistry as well. Maybe that's like something you can think about as well. Maybe put them together as a team. Maybe yeah, finding Avocado something to do. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind if Gotch also is, like, a guy that is, like, in a tag division as well, where, like, once he, like, finds, like, a permanent partner, I think that's a good spot for him to be in right now to build him up, too, because he has had quite a few singles matches now, so I think it might be time to, like, have him do a few more tags as well, because there aren't that many people that get, like, super regular, like, singles matches in Japan. No. Right, I think it's just sort of like a trying him out and showing him off sort of phase. Yeah, and and, and he'll like you know slide into more traditional roles the longer he's around. Yeah. Next match, Kaito Ki in a Junta farewell match because he's going on an excursion to Mexico, staying in uh, what Al- Casa de Alto- Altamo or Casa de Dragon? What's it called? Uh, Torium, uh, Torium on Casa, or- I think is it. Torium on Casa, yeah. but it's owned by Altamo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just Kaito it's Kiyo- literally just. Uh, it's literally just Ultimo's house in, in Mexico. <laughs> uh, Kaito Kiyomiya defeated Junta Miyawaki in 17 minutes and 12 seconds with a Tiger Suplex. I thought this was really good. I thought this was the match of the show. 
Um, and uh, Kaido played the bully here, which is not sort of something that you see from him a lot, but I think he plays it really well. And I think that's like one of those things like, you know, that, you know, a potential ace should have like, you know, because it's always cool when like Tanahashi, whenever he plays the bully sometimes <laughs> against younger wrestlers and stuff like that's a great skill to have. And like Kaito was really showing it off here. Yeah, no, I was really happy with Kaito's performance. Also thought Junta looked really good as well. Yeah. Uh, I also thought Kaito actually gave him a lot because it's been 17 minutes. So mm-hmm. like it went way longer than I expected to. I actually expected the match to finish uh, when uh, Kaito had... Uh, Jonta in the uh, Boston Crab. Like, I actually expected him to tap out there, and then the match actually went on significantly longer than that. Uh, but I thought it's also a really nice thing to actually give him, to give Miyawaki, like, a proper singles match before he goes on excursion. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought this was a really good performance by both men, uh, and going to be interesting, like, what Miyawaki comes back as uh, from excursion. Because, I mean, how long actually do you expect him to be on excursion? I don't think this is going to be like a New Japan length excursion. Because, yeah, because I Kaito s- went on excursion, that wasn't really super long either. Like, he came back from that relatively quickly. Because he was the last was, one that Noah sent on yeah. excursion, right? But wasn't he still there almost a year, though? Um, In Canada? Yeah, I mean, I do expect... Because I would say it might be around a year. Like, I don't think he's going to be gone for, like, a super long time. No. Um, Kaito, like, how long were... I mean, the... Some of those New Japan guys are, like, gone for two years. Like, weren't, like, Sho and Yo gone forever? Yeah, Sho and Yo were, like, gone forever. And, I mean, like, some of the current guys have been gone forever as well. I don't know. I don't actually see, like, a... Ren Narita's been gone for a while. Yeah. Because um, when was when was, was ex- when was Kaito's excursion? 2017? Oh, yeah, yeah, 2017. It's been that long, jeez. 2017. I mean, yeah, he, but he still had, like, in 2017, he still has 55 matches on Noah. Maybe it bled into 2018 as well. Yeah, yeah, no, because like 2017, he wrestled in like, he had uh, 21 matches in Canadian Wrestling's Elite, uh, seven matches in Smash, six in Pure Wrestling Association, three in Impact, two in Cross Body Pro Wrestling Academy. So yeah, he had like a bunch of like indie matches in Japan, in Canada around that time. But it's not like he took like the year off completely. So no. So it was like a relatively so, short excursion. I would expect something like that for like Miyawaki as well. But I would say maybe he might be gone for like a year maybe. But I don't expect him to be gone for like two years. Yeah. I would assume if he's getting an excursion that he's going to be moved immediately to the top of the juniors when he gets back, right? Yeah, yeah. I would expect that as well. Like I, I would expect him to get a relatively strong push. Because it seems pretty clear that Noah likes him. But I yeah. think even for Noah purposes, he's too small to move him up to heavyweight. Yeah. And then... Um, we had the match building to Cyberfight Festival. Damnation, TA, Daisuke Sasaki, MJ, Paw, and Cannon defeated Kongo, Hajime Ohara, Hiroki, and Keno in 15 minutes and 13 seconds when um, Sasaki put uh, Hiroki in like a cross face and got the submission. Uh, you know, you were talking about getting distracted by your phone. I got distracted <laughs> by my phone during this. It, ex- it pretty much played it how I expected. A bunch of brawling to begin and then you know i guess it kind of got a little better towards the end and then you know whatever but you know i i was never like i'm not really a daisuke sasaki fan so i wasn't like keno was carrying that feud in my opinion on his back with like the flaming kick and everything because he's 
fucking incredible. One of the best promos in the business, really, I think. I think that people would agree, I think, from all reports of how he's received in Japan. So, you know, but otherwise, when it's like Sasaki and, and on the offense, I'm much less interested, I have to say. I don't know. I, I actually kind of like this match. Like, I don't think it was really like a good match, but I thought it did a good job to build to the singles match between Sasaki and Keno. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was okay. I, I kind of like the brawling. I mean, Damnation, uh, yeah, I mean, whenever they're in DDT, I sometimes roll my eyes. I generally enjoy them, but like, can be a bit much at times. I thought they felt fresh here, though, in Noah, so I think that probably helped me. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was an okay match overall, uh, and to me, it did do a good job to build, uh, to the singles match, um. I mean, I assume we are going to see some bullshit in that match as well, just given how much it has been built around Sasaki using a cattle prod on Keno. So I assume we're going to see that during the match at Cyber Fight Festival as well. Right. And then the main event, um, Satoshi Kojima, Atsushi Katoge, and Mohamed Yone defeated Daisuke Harada, Goshi Ozaki, and Shuhei Taniguchi in 20 minutes and 53 seconds after Kojima pinned... Um, Taniguchi with the Lariat. Um, yeah, I mean, this was another great match. I like the inclusion of the juniors in this. I thought Katogi and Harada both worked pretty hard here. And, you know, Yone, you got your wish. Yone's in the main event. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's see if this is, like, something long-term or probably not. But, yeah, I mean, as you said, like, there's a lot of people that can actually rotate in and out of these matches as well. So, in this case, obviously, because it was, like, at a smaller venue, they didn't actually really need, like, that big of a main event to draw. Like, it's fine if you have just two main eventers with Kojima and Shiozaki in here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everyone in the promotion is, like, able to, like, work this kind of Noah main event six-man tag match formula really, really well. And this was yet another example of it. Yeah, it was good. To, yeah, like I said, good to mix it up with the juniors. So, this was... um. I'd recommend this show because it was a pretty easy watch. Yep. It was like two hours. To me, there wasn't really like a that. bad match on the show since I no. was kind of fine with Damnation versus Congo. Yeah. Uh, yep. So like if you have time, like I think it's like well worth your time to just like you don't need to go out of your way to watch it. But if you have time, like if I think it's a nice if you're show. you're planning on watching on. the Cyber Fight Festival, you should watch it, I think. Yeah. No, because there was a bunch of stuff set up for it on here as well. Um, so no, no, I, I, I thought this was a really, really nice show from Noah. Okay, and so we uh, will talk about briefly preview the Cyber Fight Festival because it's coming up on June twelfth, and we will review it on the next show. So let's just go through these matches real quick. There's not really a story between every match, although when there is, I'll uh, discuss it. But Paul, let's just get your pick, your nice picks. Mm-hmm. Um, so opening first match: Muscle Sakai and Yukio Naya versus Soma Takao and Kazuki Harada. I think Sakai and Naya win that one. Um, yeah, I would agree. I mean, don't watch DDT often enough to get really good feeling on some of these like undercard matches, especially that are like DDT focused. But yeah, I think that's a safe bet. And then uh, Tokyo Joshi match: Hyper Masao and Yuki Aino and Raku and Palm Harajuku and Haruka Neko versus now Kakuda, Mahiro Kiryu, Moka Miyamoto, Arisu Endu, and Kaya Torimbami. Uh, I'm going to assume, I think, the Hyper Masao team wins. There's a little more star-type power with Masao and Aino on the other team, and, like, 
Toribami's probably eating the pin here, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Haiba Misao just comes off of a title program, and yet Toribami is right there to just eat the pin. So I think that's another one. That's Paul, I'm actually kind of excited to talk about Tokyo Joshi on the pod because yeah. I started watching last year and I've become yes. a fan. Yes, no, Tokyo Joshi is actually my favorite Joshi promotion. So I think... I mean, obviously, if you're interested in Joshi, then listen to the Jumping Bomb Angels on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. But this gives us a good excuse to talk about it. (laughs) Well, they talked about the show, too. And I have some similar thoughts, actually, to what Taylor was saying about the four-way, which we'll get to in a second. Um, in the next match, we've got Eruption, uh, Yukio Sakaguchi, Saki Akai, and Hideki Okatani versus Ken Oka, Yuna Manase, and Mizuki Watase. Poneoya Nomura can't even get on the Cyberfight Festival no. <laughs> in the Gambari <laughs> matches. Um, I think Eruption wins this because, yeah. you know, like, Manasseh and Watase drop a lot of falls off, especially in their promotional matches. Yeah, no, I think this is probably one of the easier ones to predict. Like, I mean, Eruption, I, I would be very willing to put, like, a decent amount of money on Eruption winning this match. Yeah. Uh, next match, Ka- Kenny Okada and Kai Fujimura versus Toei Kojima and Yuya Koroku. This is actually one of the more interesting matches on the card because it's like the young guys, well, Kenny Okada is what he is, not necessarily young, but the younger-ish guys uh, of Noah versus the young guys of DDT because Kojima and Koroku are definitely like more rookies, yeah. you know, um, guys. I think it will really be good. I'm ex- excited for it, but I would assume Okada will actually have some of his seniority payoff and probably pin like <laughs> Kojima or Koroku. I mean, I would hope so, because he is kind of the most senior guy uh, in the match. But it is always difficult with these kind of interpromotional matches. I could see, yeah, Kojima pinning Fujimura or something. Well, I don't think the DDT guys are going to win. I think this is either Kenya gets the pin, or this is like a time limit draw. That's possible, too. Because I could see them go like 10 minutes, and then they're just going to call it a draw. Yeah, very true. And then uh, next match, um, we have Miyu Yamashita. Maki Ito and Juria or Julia Nagano. I've seen it spelled both ways because she's an idol. Uh, versus Hikari Noah, Suzume, and Yuki Arai. I mean, obviously, I think the winners of this should be pretty obvious. Uh, it'll be Yamashita's team. Yeah. Uh, they're the big stars, and Nagano is being positioned as the next big thing in um, Tokyo Joshi. I think the only question is is how much of her time she's going to devote to being a wrestler as opposed to an idol. Yeah. No, I mean, I think she's shown a lot of promise, though. So it's definitely, yeah, it is definitely very interesting. And just giving her a match as well on, like, this big of a stage, I think. And also teaming kind of with two of the biggest stars in Tokyo Joshi is mm-hmm. definitely, like, that's a sign. I mean, as I said, like, they do think they have something here with her. Yeah. So. Until yeah. Rossi steals her away. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but But still, like. I think again, like out of all of the matches on this show, this is probably the one that is like the easiest one to predict. Yep, for sure. Uh, next match, <laughs> definitely a DDT style match. We got the Pheromones, Yuki Sexy Ino, Densho Code Dandy Dino, and Yumahito Fantastic Imanari versus and Akito. I don't know what Akito's nickname in all of this is though. Uh, Anyway, they're against Sanshiro Takagi, Kendo Kashin, Shinya Aoki, and Yumiko Hota, which is quite the interesting thrown-together team. That's a fire pro random team, basically. <laughs> yeah, 
just basically who who else do we need that needs to get onto the card? I would assume uh, the pheromones those... are gonna harass Hoda because she's a woman and they tend to do that whenever yeah. they're intergender matches. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, although it could be also be Hoda just kicking the shit out of them. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a pheromones match. So, like, I mean, like, yeah. if you're not familiar with them, then, like, you're in for it's something. It's like Dino's shtick, but a whole stable. Yeah. And, and Eno's gets his ass out. Yeah. If, if you are familiar with the faction, then, like, you know exactly what this is going to be. Especially also with Takagi not, in there. Like, yeah. He will ride a bike into someone. So who is there? Uh, actually, is there something in the uh, in the stadium where Kashin can throw someone off? Oh God, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Also, that would take a while to get somewhere as well when you can actually try that because yeah. they're running a proper stadium. Um, like, I would assume the pheromones lose this because I don't really think any of these other guys are going to do a job to them. Maybe Kashin doesn't job. Aoki's somewhat protected. Yeah, Takagi. Maybe. I mean, maybe that's why Akito is in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's not going to be the, uh, a work rate match. Uh, next match in the, it's a four way Tokyo Joshi. The winner of this match receives, oh, it is for the, at the Oda Ward. Uh, so princess of princess championship at Tokyo Joshi's, uh, Oda Ward Jim on July 9th. So it's Rika Tatsumi versus Mizuki versus Yuki Kamafuku versus Miyu Watanabe. Um, I think Rika wins this because, you know, uh, Tokyo Joshi is pretty conservative booking at the top of the card, and I'm because I like I think Miyu's ready for a title shot. She has title. She's had. She's challenged for the Princess of Princess before, but she's not ready to be headlining Oda Ward Gym. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I feel like Rika would be the safest pair of hands in that position of anyone in this match. Um. So yeah, that's why I think it's Rika winning. But do you think Rika might be too distracted just posting on a Discord all the time? Uh, very possible. Rika does post on Discord way too much. She should be training. <laughs> no, but I, I do agree that Rika is probably like the safest bet here. I don't know. I mean, Yuki probably not. I mean, they have been pushing her a bit much. But again, if this was for, not for... Yeah, Oda, like, Oda because Oda Ward is yeah. such a big building. If this was for like a smaller show, for a sh- title shot at a smaller show... I could see her get it. Because they have a cork and hall the, the following week, and I well, I wasn't sure when the challenger would get the yeah. shot. So, well, now that it's out of ward, I feel even more confident in saying Yeah, Rika, yeah, actually. because that's just like they need to put something on there. It can be like, sure, that can draw on there. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see Mew get the shot here. Uh, but because it is out of ward, it just feels like such a safe bet that it is Rika. So, but I think it still should be a really good match, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, I'm looking for... I think all the Tokyo Joshi matches will be pretty good. Or, yeah. Well, the the first one might be just okay, but the other... Like the six-woman tag and then this will, I think, will be pretty yeah. good. And then the the, the, um, the semi-main, I think, oh, is going the, to be amazing. The, but we'll talk Prince about of that. Princess, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, and then after that, we have Takashi Sugera and Kazuyuki Fujita and Masa Kitamine and Deki and Nabi and Shuya Teneguchi, basically everyone left on the Noah roster thrown together versus the foreigner team of Michael Elgin, Alhijo, Del Dr. Wagner Jr., Rene Dupree, Simon Gotch, and X. And X is going to be revealed in like a bit less than a week now. Yeah. I don't have any feel for it, but I assume it's foreigner? Yeah, I mean, would be weird if it wasn't given that they're teaming with all of the foreigners. I think it would be weird if it is actually like just like a Japanese person and why are they teaming with literally all of the foreigners on the Noah roster? 
I think we talked about this before, but it was like Eddie probably technically yeah. would be the most likely. Eddie Edwards. Yeah, Eddie Edwards uh, would be the most likely. Unless unless Noah's going to shell out for someone big. I mean... Uh, apparently, I've heard that Claudio's uh, going rate is a little pricey. But, I mean, for the Cyber Fight Festival, you can probably, like, money isn't really a question, right? Yeah. I, I, who, who else is worth being an axe other than Claudio or Eddie Edwards? Hero, but again, Hero is kind of uh, retired. Yeah, well, he claims he's not, but I'll see it when I'm Samoa Joe, but again, he is signed to AEW, and I don't think that yeah. would work time-wise. Because when is Forbidden Door? Oh, June 26th or something. I mean, maybe, but again, it's kind of weird that he would be on like a joint show of New Japan, and then he like comes in here for Noah. Like That would be yeah. weird as well. Like, I don't think it would be right. anyone that is contracted to AEW. No. Because if this was, for example, like, because, especially because it's a Noah match, because Noah and yeah. AEW don't really have a relationship, but DDT and AEW, like, if this was an X yeah. on, an a, on, like, a DDT match, I think there would be more of a chance that it is someone from AEW. So yeah, sure. it would have to be a foreigner that is available and not contracted to AEW, I think, is, like, the, par- the parameters here. And that doesn't really leave a lot of people as kind of something that would warrant them being X. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, and, to me, and, like, my money is probably on Eddie. But again, given that, like, later on, like, that Rob Van Dam is on here, like, it could just also be something out of complete left field as well. For sure. But, like, who's big enough to be an X that's, a, like, out there, even just... Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Johnny Noah. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Please, no. no. No, Barnett wouldn't work, Noah. I mean, he yeah. would, right? There's a lot of shooters. Yep. So, uh, yeah. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't know. I, I, I mean, and he is friends with God. Yep. I wonder what his relationship with uh, Fujita is like. I have no idea. Maybe that's going to be a sh- <laughs> it's going to be an actual shoot. <laughs> yeah. So, the next match after that is Hiroshima, Naomi, Yoshimura, and Chris Brooks, and Masahiro Takanashi, who is your new, actually also DDT Universal Champion. Versus Yuki Ueno, Shunma Katsumata, Kutsum- Katsumata and uh, Mao and Asuka. Uh, I think this will be pretty yep. good. I think this should be a ton of fun. Uh, this one is, to be fair, is one where I'm actually not sure what the result is going to be. Because, especially now that Takanashi just beat Mao for the belt. Like, yeah. I did someone not expect pin, that. Someone could pin Takanashi to set up a title match, I think. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I mean, I could also just be... Does Shunma have the extreme title? Not anymore. He used to... I don't remember who has the extreme title right now. He definitely was the extreme title champ. Unless he's won it back since then. Um, He was the extreme... No, he was the extreme champion in 2021, yeah. Uh, okay. But he's not the extreme champion right now. Who's actually the extreme... Who's it's extreme Eno. Champion, Eno yeah. is the extreme champion at the moment. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I could see Katsu, like Shunma ka- pinning Takanashi or something. Yeah, that's a possible. Actually, what actually would be interesting to me is uh, what if Asuka pins, uh, yes, that's a, pins Takanashi and that's the, the next title match because I think that would be really good. Yep, that's also very possible. Yeah, and so I'm leaning towards Takanashi getting pinned to set up a title match later. Then, of course, we have Rob Van Dam, Yoshinari Ogawa, and Hayata versus Kaito Kiyomiya, Daisuke Harada, and Yohei. Yeah, I mean, talking about Fire Pro random matches, how about Rob Van Dam, Ogawa, yeah. and the Hayata? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, did you see, actually, did you see the hype video that they did for 
uh, RVD. Yes, I did. Did you see which promotion they used footage of? No. They used OTT Wait. footage. Oh, yeah. did they? Yeah. They used footage of RVD versus um, uh, versus uh, Scotty Davis, which, <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Oh, God. I hope, really hope well, that this, this is, is not, not a exactly. sign of things to come. Yeah, well, this is no, of course. Already right? hated I have to talk about fucking Elgin and O'Hara. I really don't want to add fucking Scotty Davis to that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be Rob Van Damme in 2022. Really, only so much I could assume. expect from that. And apparently, not a one shot. Yeah. Cool. So I assume then Harada or Yohei probably takes the Yeah, fall. I mean. RVD isn't losing. Yohei probably. RVD isn't losing. Yohei like, I would expect Yohei yeah. to take the pin here. Yeah. I mean, the other people in the match are good, though. Well, my higher time. But, like, I mean, at least Ogawa. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, whenever Ogawa's in there, it's going to be fun. And, and otherwise, it's going to be a match. Okay. And then in DDT versus Noah match, Tatsuya Endo, Junakiyama, and Kazusada Higuchi versus uh, Atsushi Kotoge and Yoshi Iki Inamura and replacing. Naomichi Marafuji is Katsuhiko Nakajima, who finally gets on the card. And they ran that in a press conference that was on just before we recorded, which is worth watching just to see Nakajima slapping yes. Kotoge. Like, shoot-slapping him so much that, like, Kotoge actually went down. Like, he actually knocked him on... Like, he slapped him so hard that he actually knocked him on his ass. Yeah. So this match is going to have a can-they-coexist storyline going for it. And I mean, they're also going to lose. Because, like, I fully expected yeah, sure. the Noah team to lose even prior to this, but I definitely expect them to lose now. Because, I mean, Endo's the KOD champion. Like, he's not going to lose. So it yeah. was always clear that the Noah team was going to lose this match. Akiyama's not going to do no. a job. Like I mean, you can have a Gucci drop a fall, but again, Endo, like, they're not going to... If they don't have a KOD title match on the show, they're not going to have the KOD champion yeah. lose their match. is going to get... I bet you Akiyama pins Kotoge because Kotoge was talking shit about Akiyama. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's not in Amora, I'm fine with that. Yeah. And then da- uh, Keno versus Daisuke Sasaki. Um, not looking forward to it. Not a big fan of Sasaki, but we'll see what Keno can get out of it, which, you know, might actually be okay. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm actually somewhat looking forward to it. I mean, I do expect there's going to be some bullshit in the match, but I think overall it has it has a chance to be a good match because I trust in Keno to, like, get the best out of Sasaki. And it's not like Sasaki can't have a good match against the right opponent. Like, he actually had, like, one of the best matches of, like, like he had a really, really good match against Dick Togo when Dick Togo came back for a second run. Like, that was probably, like, the best match of Togo's second run. So, and there's other matches as well where Sasaki has been really, really good. So I think if you put him in there with the right guy and if he's motivated, he can deliver. And this is a yeah, big spot for him as well. Right. Well, I can say uh, the issue. It's been a while since I can think of Sasaki having good stuff, though. True, but again, he's in there with Ken, who is one of the best in yeah. the world right now. So I am looking forward to it. Obviously, there is a chance that the match just kind of falls apart. That was just okay, but I do think there is a chance that it can be really good. I hope. Do you think they do get the flaming yes. kick? Yes. I mean, look, literally, like we're going to get a cattle prod and we're going to get a flaming kick. Like I think that's pretty much guaranteed. And I think maybe once Ken, this time, Keno will actually get a pin off of it as well. Yes. Then your semi-main event for the Princess of Princess Championship, uh, Shoko Nakajima, the champion, versus Yuka Sakazaki, in what will undoubtedly, I think, be a really great match, one of the best yep. of the show. I think this has a good chance to be one of the matches of the 
like I think this might be a match of the year candidate as well. Like at least that's my expectations because these are like two of the best workers on the Tokyo Joshi uh, roster. Like I think it's like the only one that I kind of put on the level like Mio, like it's Mio, Shoko, and Yuka, like the three best wrestlers in Tokyo Joshi. Tokyo Joshi. And yeah, I just have really high expectations for this match. Uh, they should really deliver. I do expect. Um, then again, I'm not sure because Yuka challenged at Cyberfight Festival last year and lost. So mm-hmm. do you think maybe this is like her redemption story where she comes back now ne- at, in the next year and wins the title? See, I forgot about that because I was leaning towards Shoko. I was as well, but, but now I'm not sure. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And now, yeah, I don't know. I'm 50-50 on this now. Originally, I was Shoko. Because maybe, I mean, maybe this is also just point. like a long term where she like loses twice. Because Shoko also, like, yeah. she hasn't really had a long reign. No. Like, it's only 75 days. So, I don't know. And her first reign wasn't that yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. Like, the first one was only 184. So, I feel like she's kind of due to have a long reign. But it also would make sense for Yuka to kind of redeem herself and come back now. Or maybe this is just, like, again, like, she loses twice in a row at Cyber Fight Festival. And that leads to, like, some sort of, like, character change for her as well. Yeah, that's also possible. But this is, like... That's good. I mean, you can't predict yeah. the winner. No, I think so. that's really good. And that, that makes it like very exciting as well. Because that just makes you buy into like the near falls that much more. And uh, in our main event for the GHC Heavyweight Championship, uh, Goshi Ozaki, the champion versus Satoshi Kojima. I think this is going to be well, good. Oh, I think this is as well. Uh, Kojima, will, well, Kojima works hard, but I think he'll be working extra hard yeah. here. Uh, do you still think Kojima wins? I'm a little less certain now than I was before. Okay. I... Because they keep reiterating this point that there aren't, like, there's only very few people that have won, like, all four belts. Or not all four, but that have won all, that have won the Triple Crown, the GHC, and the, uh, and the, uh, New Japan world title. I don't know. Well, heavyweight belt world title. Because that's why I'm struggling calling, because, like, it's. Yeah. Technically, a belt that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, well, you're forgetting uh, the NWA. World oh, the NWA world title. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why it was all four belts. Udo yes. and Kojima have yeah. both held. That's why it was all four belts. Like because they keep reiterating that on commentary. Because that's why I feel still feel like that Kojima is going to like win. But again, I think what will give it away is kind of the Muto announcement. Because if he challenges the yeah. winner of this match, I think it's a lock that Kojima's winning. Yeah, for sure. Like, in that case, like, it's a lock Kojima's winning because then they're going to have the two guys face off that have won all four belts. And then yeah. and that's clearly what they're building to. If that's not the announcement, then I think it's a bit more open where I think there is a chance that Shiozaki is retaining. Yeah. Uh, I I think I feel a little more like Go's retaining. Likely, to, I feel... Like, there's a bigger chance of Go retaining, but if you had to ask me, I still think Kojima's winning, yeah. to be honest with you. Like, before they started the build, it was pretty much, like, locking in that Kojima is winning, but now I have, like, a little bit more doubts about it, where I do think that they might just want to, like, stabilize the promotion around Shiozaki. I mean, ideally, that's what they yeah. should be doing. Yeah. But whether they will or not is, a, I think, a lot more of a question. But I do think it's going well, to be a so really, really good match, though. Oh, for sure. Uh, absolutely. 
And so that's the Cyber Fight Festival. We will review the show on the next episode. Paul, do you have any closing Maybe thoughts? Maybe what would your predictions be for the number? What it's going to draw? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, God, Saitama fits like, what, 27,000 yeah. people technically or something like that? It's like one of the world's biggest arenas. Um, last year was what, 7,000 or something? Uh, last year just quickly bring that up. I think they should ideally be last year. There's less restrictions, right? Yeah. I mean, it is also like a it is also like an open arena, right? So is is cheering yeah. going to be allowed? Because there's less of a restriction on that on like open uh, on like open oh, venues. Um, at the press conference, Takagi said people could bring food and drink, which that's already like a big change as well. Yeah. So the last one had so around you know. four thousand eight hundred. They should easily oh, that's beat it, that. Eh? I would if they don't, then this entire <laughs> this entire thing is in trouble. Not just Noah, but like the well, entire like cyber fight thing. <laughs> you got yeah, the whole thing. There are everybody's having issues drawing. Although I mean, no, but I think just because there are going to be less restrictions on it, I think that just easily should be like a thing. And yeah, people that people can like finally bring food and drink in as well. Which I don't know if people that haven't been to Japan know, but you can just like bring food and drinks to a venue. Like, that's just a normal thing in Japan. Yes, it's very popular. Uh, foreigners bringing their strong zeros oh, yeah. to wrestling. I remember going to Corican as well for, um, for uh, what's it called again? Uh, for Michinoku Pro and getting some gyoza at uh, Lawson downstairs. So, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing a lot of people do. And I've seen people as well at, like, uh, Tokyo Giants games just bringing in, like, an entire, like, meal to, like, eat at the game. Yeah, isn't that like also like in the boxes at Sumo Hall, basically like laying out like a platter? Yes, yeah, yeah, where people just bring like a picnic blanket and just yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That so that is definitely so that's definitely like a sign of like things easing up in Japan. And again, I have seen yeah. at like other outdoor shows people being allowed to make noise while wearing masks. So I wonder if that's just well, people are making noise at court. Yes, anyway, yeah. So I point. I wonder like that might actually be one of the first shows now, one of the first major shows. Where we might get crowds making noise. Now I, because I don't think some people say it's like not till July or something. But that's like indoor. So. I don't know. Like that's but, different. Yeah. So we yeah. shall see. But uh, so I'm going to say anything less than five is going to be yes. not good. Anything less than last year's is going to be an absolute disaster. Absolutely. All right. So any then closing thoughts, Paul? Um. Yeah. Um. I mean, for Noah, I mean, as we talked about, it's kind of a promotion, a little bit of like turmoil right now. I mean, as we see, like there's just all kinds of stuff going on at the moment. Um, yeah, uh, I do still think there's a chance for like Noah to like stabilize in the second half and like actually finally like build on the promise that they have. It's just a promotion that is in a very weird place right now. Well, I mean, if we're headed towards a Kojima and Mudo at the Budokan in July, I mean, how stabilized is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know. I'm actually going so to be I, curious I think... comparing... Like, because in theory, the Budokan number, like, between all Japan and Noah shouldn't even be close. But I wonder, like... I think it's a, a lot more question in play yeah. now, yeah. Especially if they have a strong... If, especially if all Japan is a strong main event. Yeah. Like, if it's basically, like, come to Budokan and see Kento versus a big-name outsider. Or being like, okay, you want to see Yuma win the Triple yeah. Crown? And they're going to have, like, someone else maybe on, on, the, on the undercard draw as well they're bringing some sort of outside yeah they will probably do that for sure yeah all right so that is everything uh for paul bosch i'm gerard detroyo and we'll see you in two weeks